You got me mad now. You know, you got a bad pickle. Feeling good. Well, the st- skeptics and all the people have a little bit of... Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, pal. Sorry. We ran the bad pickle in this arena. With my main man, Pots and Pants, Nick Bacone. That's me. I don't know where the kid is that was riding it, but he ain't on it when they brought it to the ring. Tomorrow, I'll you can kick your face off. I'm down with that. Get the But I don't like it when things aren't going my way. Don't you dare be sour! He don't know nothing else. <laughs> hey, you know that wrestling, right, you know that wrestling bro. <laughs> give me a hell yeah! I said give me a hell yeah! What's up ladies and gentlemen out there in internet land and welcome to episode 274 of The Straight Shooters. Available wherever podcasts are found. My name is Vaughn Johnson, and I'm joined as always by my main man, Pots and Pans, Nick Bacone, the Philly voice and Philly influencer. And we have yet another fantastic show ahead of us tonight here on this Wednesday, February 24th. We have yet another deep dive. We're not deep diving a movie this week like we did with Beyond the Mat. That was a documentary, I guess, technically. But it got a theatrical release. This time we're going back to, to good old-fashioned wrestling, right? A wrestling event. Going back to World Championship Wrestling, WCW, as some people might say. We're going to Super Brawl, 1997, Super Brawl 7 to be exact, which took place 24 years ago, I guess technically yesterday, because again, we're recording this February 24th, 2021. This show took place February 23rd, 1997. But before we get into all the deets and dive deep, into Super Brawl 7 from WCW. I got to do my weekly check-in. My main man, Pots and Pants, Nick Bacona, Philly Voice, and Philly Influencer, Nick. How are you doing tonight, my good brother? Feels really weird being on the other side of the uh, transformation and the and the power of professional wrestling as uh, Paul White in the big show is now all elite. And the, the balance of power has shifted. No, it hasn't. AEW, baby. They ain't messing Come around. On. The balance of weight has shifted because and now he's a heavy man. <laughs> and now they're gonna have programming three nights. I mean, two nights that's on YouTube, big, but that's a big deal to me. Oh, yeah, that's a bigger deal. And the fact that they didn't, that this is not a second show on TNT. Mm. I thought that found. I thought that was interesting. I yeah, thought that not, was part of the not, plan. Why not have you know like on you know, Saturday or something? Get a weekend wrestling back to normal on cable TV. Damn it! Right, I figured that. Dark would be the second show, like an hour, like you said, Saturday night, 6.05, something like that. And the the new one, Elevation, AEW Dark Elevation, which was like, maybe AEW Elevation? I don't know. But AEW Dark Elevation, so they got two shows on YouTube, uh, which is, I mean, hey, they're going to pull in a bunch of viewers. Uh, I don't, I'm, I'm assuming they're monetizing those shows. That'd we'll see. I don't know if they are. What type of strings are they pulling when other companies can't monetize their wrestling but uh, i didn't know that was a thing that other shows can't monetize their wrestling was, i mean i know uh, youtube has some weird monetization yeah, yeah. Uh, i know they had some weird monetization things with like violence and wrestling and whatnot but <laughs> maybe they could pull it off i mean hey they got a billionaire of an owner who can probably right. pull some strings yeah. but uh, it's not like it's an independent you know you don't have any clout with youtube but yeah, paul white uh, will be a me, commentator on that uh, new show yeah, yeah. too, and which is I'm actually looking forward to that part. 
uh, not necessarily looking forward to him being back at the ring, which they did say would happen, uh, even if it's like a part-time uh, type deal. Uh, I I think it's a good pull for AEW because he's so respected and he's been around so long. It's a fam- familiar face, and his voice can bring a lot of credibility, uh, especially when he's you know on commentary and he's going to try and you know hype these new people and. Uh, you know, I don't know how the show's going to look like, but uh, I, I mean, I wasn't as again. A lot of people already made the comparisons to TNA, and I was like, I'm not going to go that far. Let's see how this plays out because it's not like they're going to bring him in and put the title on him right away. Uh, I would have, you know, biggest or even a big angle, you know, like him and Shaq. Hey, maybe we'll get a rematch. But uh, I, I just, I was very surprised. Probably the first time I'm legitimately surprised someone, quote unquote, jumping ship from WWE to AEW. Uh, everyone else uh, kind of, you know, figured had a shot, but uh, even John Moxley, because, you know, his contract expired and we kind of knew that. We didn't really know, you know, Big Show's deal. Uh, you know, we found out apparently they couldn't come to terms monetarily back in January. So he decided to make the leap and uh, he's he's the really first shock that I felt and seeing something like that. Uh, so kind of intrigued. Yeah, there's a lot of intrigue to it. I mean, the fact that I, I didn't see it coming. I know last night I was on Twitter, and he actually tweeted to uh, either I can't whether it's Brian Myers or uh, Zach Ryder. I don't know. Was I forget his non WWE name off the top of my head? But um, Matt uh, he, something. Cardona yeah, I can't or something. Matt. Yeah, there it is. Matt Cardona. I'm sorry. Sorry, Matt Cardona. I forgot your non WWE name. But now he's gonna follow he, us on Twitter. Right. <laughs> I tweeted because every, t- every wrestler we mentioned follows us apparently, including uh, one PJ Polacco. Uh, so welcome aboard, just incredible. Uh, but uh, he tweeted last night at one of those two. I can't remember specifically which one. And I saw the tweet and it said Paul White, and I'm like, huh? Hmm. Maybe he's doing that to try to you know, because a lot of you see a lot of WWE people change have their, like their name, not their at, not their handle, but their name is like their actual name. And sometimes they want that out there so, you know, people can know their actual name. You know, like Sasha Banks was, I know she's been on right. Twitter as Mercedes Varonado, you know, at one point in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, she still is. Uh, her handle is Sasha Banks WWE, but her actual the name is Mercedes Varonado, I should say. Varonado. Uh, but this this handle is also Paul White. I'm like, huh, okay. <laughs> like, that's not normal. Uh, and it was verified still. I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, it's still you know, probably trying to get into Hollywood. You know, he's right, he yeah. already had his own show on Netflix. Uh, so, okay. Travesty that they canceled it. It's been canceled already? Damn. Yeah. I was not aware that it's been canceled already. Uh, I never checked it out. I'm sorry, Big Show. Or, I'm sorry, Paul White. Um, <laughs> I did not check it out. How, how hard is that going to be to, like, not It's going to be so hard. It's going to be so hard because he's been Big Show for 22 years. Yeah, and it's an absolutely like he, terrible name, too. And he debuted in WWE. We talked about it. We talked about his debut on St. Valentine's Day Massacre just a couple day, couple weeks ago, yeah. 10 days ago or yeah. whatever, before Valentine's Day. Uh, but, yeah, it's been – so 10 days ago was his 22nd anniversary of his WWE debut. That's two decades of him being Big Show. You know, at first he was Big Show Paul White, but he was just Big Show for, like, Probably twenty years of that run, so it's going to be real tough. Yeah. But um, as far as you know, so when when it, when it got announced, there, I was like, "Whoa!" I was like, "You know what? I actually did see his handle and his name change. That's crazy." But and it, it's tough to get when you change your handle 
if you're verified, if you change your handle, you can lose your verification. So mm-hmm. I'm assuming he had some people hook him up. It was like when he changed it, he could still keep his verification badge and whatnot. So good for him. But uh, from a wrestling standpoint, in ring, look, WWE booked him horribly for a long, long time. I think he's even said this in podcasts. Like, I, I should be more protected. Uh, you know, no one is really, I'm not that big of an attraction as I should be or something like that. And that's WWE's fault. But even with that said, I don't remember, I've, I'm thinking like eight years now that people, when they saw a big show, people went like, oh, God, here goes Big Show again. Mm. Like, no, nothing personal against him. Right. It's just it's that just, he's not it's just special. Feels, <laughs> right. It's not special. And that's WWE's fault, once again. But it just feels like more of the same. Like, it doesn't feel like nothing really crazy great happens. They never really have good creative form. Uh, was it 2013 when he was crying all the time? And then was it last year or maybe two years ago when he's going against Randy Orton or something like that? It was a. It was just, yeah. and then he was, he's, he's always been a random guys, like, title match. That's <laughs> your McIntyre. <laughs> like, that right, that at WrestleMania. Weird. Then he had the few with Braun Strowman a couple years back when Braun Strowman first broke out as a single. So, I mean, he's he's popped up here and there, but it's not, there's nothing really special. And I don't think fans have ever really clamored for another Big Show appearance. Again, nothing personal against him. He's one of the all-time greats, one of the best big men ever. But his his attraction level has been devalued over the years because he's been seen far too much and not protected nearly enough mm-hmm. as he should have been. Um, you know, but here we are. I don't think, I don't think him going to AEW is going to make people really want to watch the show any more than they already do. Like, like mm-hmm. if you're among that audience that watches AEW, you're going to stick with them regardless. Right. And if you're a casual, which there aren't that many left, I don't think, um, and you see, oh, they got, for one, you're going to say, oh, they got Big Show. I didn't know his name was Paul White. Um, you're not going to tune in. You know, he's not going to drive up the ratings. Now, a match between him and Shaq, potentially, that might do something. Because I remember when they they faced off at on Raw, was that like in 09? And that was like, know. oh, that. Yeah, I don't even remember when it was, but it felt when, big. When, Sh- when Shaq was like the special guest host when he's doing like the weekly host of Raw every week, I remember thinking, like, okay, they got something here. And then when then, then Shaq came back at uh, WrestleMania in 2016, they faced off again, kind of. And it's like, oh, there it is. They might do something. And it, I think they did maybe a little thing. I, I honestly don't even remember. Yeah, I don't either. That's how bad. Right. Like, it was how, that creative must have been. Cause right. It was. That should have been at least the one-on-one wrestling. Like, Big Show and Floyd Mayweather, I remember. It was, like, all about yeah. the build-up and the match. Like, I remember that. I that just, was dope. I don't even remember Big Show and Shaq, which is crazy. Yeah, what was what was the last like thing involving Big Show that I was like, yo, that was dope? Because I honestly can't recall. Maybe uh, I wasn't maybe the Braun Strowman stuff. I mean, yeah, and that kind of like broke Braun out himself. That's when I kind of got on the Braun bandwagon, where he was literally showing us what he could do in the ring, like the kip up, the big kip up in the main event of yeah. Raw. Which I think they really, were chain wrestling. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> which Braun, was wild. Braun was really impressive, and then you know Braun kind of took off at that point. That's when he got like red hot. And, you know, I, hey, maybe Big Show had something to do with that because he was the one in the ring with him. And, you know, it's got, it takes two to make, you know, a good match. So uh, I was kind of impressed. In the entertainment aspects, I would say, yeah, I wasn't a fan of him crying all the time with the authority, but him coming back and like punching Triple H out and him helping like the Rhodes family win the tag titles 
because uh, he like punched out Roman or, or Seth or John John Moxley. I was gonna say Dean Ambrose, but uh, like one of them, I, I don't remember who he punched out, but he was like there. He came out of the crowd, like that made me like him. Like I, I was like, yeah, like this is cool. I like that, but that was really all that I enjoyed the last what ten plus years that he's been in, you know, WWE because yeah, they just make him feel so normal and that's not what he should be like if wcw did anything right it was make him feel like bigger than life when he debuted there and then obviously they lost it with the whole nwo thing but he's smoking cigarettes in no time (laughs) yeah and uh so obviously that wasn't good but i I liked how he debuted in wwf back in 99 like he had a good month or two run and then wrestlemania was all gone he already turned on vince mcmahon i was like what what?" (laughs) and we'll talk about that in a few weeks but it's just yeah. crazy how much they ruined him in terms of a a person that fans want to see. Like, yeah, maybe you want to see him in person just because he's so big and tall. And you, you like being in person is probably different. Like, if you want to get an autograph or something, but to sit home and be like, oh, I hope Big Show comes out. Like, I, I don't think very many people were doing that. Oh yeah, it's been a while. And again, it's no real disrespect to Big Show. It's just what WWE has done. Now, will the creative get better for him? Will they do something cool with him? Outside of a potential Shaq match, I, I hope. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, we'll see. Uh, I think it also opens him up to do be able to do more in Hollywood because you know WWE is with you know outside ventures. They're a little finicky with that. Mm. You know, you look at Sasha Banks. Even though she got the role, they allowed her to do Mandalorian. They didn't mention that not one time on no. WWE TV. <laughs> But here they are promoting the encore presentation of Young Rock on USA. Like, like not even the first episode, not even the debut episode, an encore presentation. Not the world premiere, encore. And here is Mandalorian, one of the top shows on Disney Plus and on streaming services. And everybody's raving about Sasha Banks. And he's like, "Mm, obviously, they have no, I guess, nothing to gain from it. Whereas Young Rock, for one, is The Rock. But two is also on NBC, which is one of WWE's television partners. So if NBC said, hey, you know The Rock, we like The Rock, <laughs> so <laughs> promote this show. And they're like, okay. like That's probably what it came down to at the end of the day. But well, they even still did that with the big shows show on Netflix. They, I think they even aired clips. It was like they almost they went out, bend over backwards for his show, which was weird. I guess they had a hand in it producing um, but, but and it was called it was the weird. Big Show, so maybe they got some money off of it because it right. was his. They kind of used his likeness from, and I think that his yeah. character was a wrestler, right? Like yeah. it's like based yeah. off of him. Yep. Sort like of loosely himself. based or whatever. It's funny. I went through his a lot of these uh, shows that he's been in and, and movies, and a lot of these are just him playing himself. Because like, how do you make a character out of that that's not already like <laughs> hey. him? You know, it's so damn big. You no, know? like people. No know normal him. person is working at the post office looking like Big Show. Like <laughs> that's just not that's just not a thing that that's happening uh, at any point in human history. Like, like he just just a a, a a grocery store general manager like just you know creating a schedule for for work. Like, like, saying, can you reach that for me? And he like climbs. Right. He, he'll just. Be at the top, get the right. top shelf or something. Sit, sitting behind the desk, calling people on the day off. Like, hey, you know, somebody called out today. Could you come in? You know, <laughs> I need you for like six hours. Like, you can go home after. Like, he's not, no person his size is doing that. So, uh, but yeah, is it a, when he first popped up in WWF, it was a big deal. 
And it was a big deal today because it was really surprising out of nowhere. And unexpected from the standpoint that I don't think, I didn't think that Big Show would leave WWE at any point for what? Yeah, exactly. He's a made man. But he obviously did. And here he is. Now what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, that's where we're at. We'll you know, see what happens tonight on Dynamite. But uh, I know they said kind of like stay tuned. Maybe he just appears and says hi or something or does a promo. But, uh, you know, we'll, if he does show up tonight, I guess we'll get, get a good idea of how, how they're going to use him at first or, you know, if they're going to get him in the ring sooner than later. But I think yeah. right now, at least from the press release, seemed like he they were going to focus on his commentary for the new AEW show. So I just hope see. nobody's on out here thinking like this is like a massive, massive deal for either party. Oh, the balance if of power WWE, didn't shift. If you're WWE, <laughs> it's about time Big Show got out of there because y'all have used him up to the nth degree. Right. Like, <laughs> and if they're surprised like, about it, then maybe that's a good thing. Because maybe it, right. you know you step out a little bit and be like, wow, we're not just going to go through the motions and expect everyone to stay here. Exactly. Utilize your talent while you have them because you got a lot of talent. And Big Show was one of them. He's, no matter what, how you felt about his creative or what he's been involved in, he's still super talented. He can still get, you know, he's still an impressive athlete at seven feet, you know, I think 400 pounds now, whatever he is, to move around the way he does and still have a decent match. You know, he's not going to have a five-star Tokyo Dome Classic, but he can still have a, a passable match out there with, especially with some of the younger guys. And he's still in good shape. He can still move, like I said, like, you know, like he's broken down something like that. So, you know, again, WWE, so maybe, I doubt it will be a wake-up call, <laughs> right? But maybe it is. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it's not it's not that big of a deal. But it's still kind of a big deal because, you know, Paul White is a, no pun intended, big name in the industry, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, it's not a needle mover, but it's, you know, one of those, like I right. you know mentioned before, one of the persons I did not ever expect to see doing that just because he had been with WWE for so long. But, you know, it's a good thing, you know, it, whether it's not like a big deal in, in terms of ratings or even, you know, pe- other people jumping ship, at least it tells us, you know, if someone wants it enough to and loves the business enough, WWE is still not the only place to go, and, and that's, especially for that someone was, that was over 20, 20 years. That's the best thing about AEW is that it's leverage for the wrestlers. Now, think about AEW though; their roster is just seemingly growing every day. Yeah. <laughs> like every time I turn around, they sign <laughs> as someone new, right? And it's like, all right, at what point is it like you got to fall back a little bit and like work with what you got? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that that. that I understand that they've grown, at least from a as a television property. They you can't say they've grown from an attendance property because they haven't had fans. Well, I guess they have in Florida. I take that back. They haven't had them at full capacity, but they've had some fans at, at the Daily's Place in Florida. But not like obviously like, like it used to be when they were touring around the country. But you know, do you are they running the risk of growing too fast? I. I don't know. It's a lot, though. They got a lot of people on that roster, and that's why they got to get a third show on YouTube, because what do you do with them all? Like, they got to do something. Yeah, it was like the description for that show almost read like it was another AEW Dark. It's like the up-and-comers get a showcase and everything. And right. Like, well, that's what Dark has been. And 
Listen, I, I'll be completely honest. I stopped watching Dark because they made it way too long. So, like, they had two-hour, three-hour episodes. I'm like, no, like, I can't do that. As You know, like, right. I, and no, dis, like, no disrespect to anyone. I'm just saying, like, me personally, I can't do that. <laughs> and so, you know, I... That's a lot. And having another night and on YouTube, like, I, I barely go on YouTube anyway. I just... For, for wrestling, I should say. Um, I know, you know, I probably should. You know, MLW is apparently do, doing some good things that I could get on there and watch Fusion, but uh, I just, you know, don't. And I'm not going to remember to do it. I think that show's going to... Is it Monday nights? I don't even remember. Uh, I printed don't it out, know, but off the top of my head. The, I got the press release. Oh, we're talking about uh, Elevation? Yeah, yeah I think yeah. it is. They said it was Monday nights. I think it's before it's like, Raw. Come on, man. Like... <laughs> I'm not in the business of wanting to watch like three to four hours of wrestling every night, <laughs> unless it's like old school type stuff that I actually the, remember and like. The thing is, though, unless it's my there job, are, <laughs> there are fans out there who are right, and that's pretty there much are. who WWE and AEW are catering to. They're providing more and more content. There's, there's a saying that you know more is less is more, but there's also a saying called more is more. Mm-hmm. You, it, you know, there are times where. At least from my my experience, like on, on when it comes to posting on social media, right? There's no metrics that says you can as as a football team, the Eagles, that we post too much. You know, like more is more. There's no diminishing returns for the more we post. You know, what I'm saying you ever heard of the law of diminishing returns? Mm-hmm. There there really aren't any for us when it comes to posting or any other. I would imagine it's the same for a lot of other sports teams. On a game day, we could probably post on Twitter alone like 40 times. And if you're we're doing well, well, that means we're gonna have more posts, and you, can, you can't have enough. If we win, we're gonna pump out even more posts because it's like people eat it up. Mm-hmm. There's no like stop already. Oh my god, you know you won't see that, especially if you're good. Now, if we if we lose, you won't hear from us too much that night. You know, what I'm we won't hear from us probably the next day. Uh, but you know, if things are going good, and you, there's never enough. So I think these, you know, the, the WWE is especially they're pumping out all kinds of content. I think AEW's getting around to that point too it's like look man if we can get a hundred thousand viewers on elevation we could probably get two hundred thousand on dark and of course we get our you know 700 to 800 to 900 maybe even a million viewers on dynamite we're talking you know almost two million viewers a week they probably get i don't i haven't looked up the numbers for dark but they probably get more than a hundred thousand on that even i'm probably being conservative on how many people they you know how many people they draw on those on those episodes you know how many uh, viewers we're looking at uh, the one from yesterday where they had a forty men and women battle royal, two hundred fifty five thousand. Mm. You know, uh, let me see if I can look up some other ones. Two hours top. and thirteen minutes. Get out of here with that. <laughs> I mean, it's long. It is long, but two hundred fifty five thousand views is still a, a lot of views, especially when you got other videos on here getting ten thousand, twenty thousand, thirty thousand, seventy thousand, like. You know the the thing that the hour long thing they just did with the women's tournament, almost two hundred thousand views. You know if you can get a half a million, I hover around like between half a million two hundred thousand views, at least two hundred fifty thousand views on dark, maybe another hundred or so on elevation. Again, we're talking another half a million to almost maybe even a million viewers potentially on a good week maybe. You know so. More is more sometimes, but I, it's a lot for them. You know, you you do run the risk of burning some fans out, but for those for those fans 
that are rocking with you anyway, and that's all they watch, because you know those fans exist, and all they watch is wrestling. <laughs> like They watch nothing else. Mm-hmm. They can't get enough. Now, the difference is, like, when I talk about the Eagles, and I say, AW, we're not posting two-hour television shows <laughs> on YouTube yeah. Yeah. every week. It's a 30-second clip of a TD celebration. That's easy, digestible, quick, boom, in and out. You're scrolling through, you see it, you move on after you watch it. Maybe that's different when it's a two-hour, th- almost three-hour show. Maybe that'll be different. I don't know. I think WWE has an issue with that because they have a show every day of the damn week. <laughs> like Between Raw, SmackDown, NXT, 205 Live, NXT UK, uh, I think they've been showing some indie stuff here and there, too. Like, really? Damn. Oh. I think they show some indie. Like, as far as like, pro- like the ones that are under their umbrella, like Progress or something like that, I think... I'm not totally sure. I can look it up, but I know it's been on the network, but I'm not sure if they've produced really <laughs> new wrestling, new shows. I'm I can look it up, but uh, it's a, it's a lot of stuff, though. You know, so and I'm so used to it, and to me, it as much as I hate the production of it, it's still easier to digest. So a lot of stuff. AW does it's like so fast and furious. It's like okay, relax, take a step back, let me digest this first <laughs> before something else happens. And I guess I, I've definitely evolved as a wrestling fan. Where I probably would have loved that. You know, obviously the Attitude Era was like that. Still, it seemed easier to digest because we didn't have social media. So like I was focused completely on a TV program, and that's where the bread and butter was. Nowadays, there's so much different things I pay attention to, and that probably has something to do with it. But I can't, you know, do that now. Where even during Monday Night Raw, it's in the background. Like I pay attention to it some some of the time, but not all the time. And that's what I do. Even on Wednesday nights when we're recording this at Dynamite and NXT, it's all in front of me. But you know, I I don't watch it after the fact. You know, I just kind of like peruse through it and see anything good or watch anything yeah. good but that's kind of how I've become as a wrestling fan Monday nights I would do the same thing if we recorded Monday nights Friday nights I would do the same thing but at least Smackdown's been better <laughs> like well, yeah, it doesn't true. feel like a chore to watch and you know Friday is my uh, I think I've talked about it before Friday is kind of like my chill night uh, I don't like doing a lot of things Friday after work you know I just relax and then Saturday it would be the thing where I do stuff or go out. That was obviously pre-pandemic, but uh, yeah, that's just how I've evolved as a fan. Just for the record, Progress ran, have run multiple shows in February. Uh, I don't think they've aired on WWE Network, but uh, they have run shows in, in February. This is their first shows in a year, just for the record. But either way. Apparently, uh, WWE has signed uh, David Boy Smith Jr. too. So I wonder oh. if... Uh, Great. You know, if they'll have them in NXT UK or, or what. Well, that, that's just fantastic. <laughs> it's sounding everybody. Um, yeah. But enough about all that all that current wrestling yeah. that I mean, nobody's watching. Little, on. It's been a while since we talked this much about, like, the current landscape. So almost well, a half hour. Yeah, well, I mean, hey, big things, no pun this intended, is a great happen podcast. today. This is a great podcast. I, If you're <laughs> listening, you should advertise. You should. And if, if you like 
uh, our deep dives and want to request one of your own, go over to patreon.com slash shooters radio, make your request, cough up, you know, a, min- a, a minimal fee, right? Yeah. And then we'll fulfill that request here on the show. So we've done it in the past. We'll do it again in the future. So go become one of our patrons, make your requests for any type of wrestling content, right? It could be that David Arquette documentary, right? <laughs> on Hulu. It could. Right? It could be that. It's wrestling related. We'll do it. Head over to Patreon, patreon.com slash shooters radio. But for this week, we're diving deep into Super Brawl 1997 from World Championship Wrestling. Yeah. What a time. You this is this is a Nick Pacone request, I should say. It's not a Patreon request. I, 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 no, I, I signed up on Patreon and I set you two dollars <laughs> and I said we're doing Super Brawl seven, please. <laughs> but yeah, I was a, uh I figured, you know, February and we were kinda like stuck this week and I was like, ah, I can't do another documentary because it'd be too long. I need like a break this week. So let's do another event and I had requests well requested I had uh, suggested this and you said well, all right let's do it and uh, yeah because in March we got a lot of content yeah ready. yeah I've got to kind of got to save my energy for that a little bit because of course March is I guess the March to WrestleMania <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we're definitely using that oh yeah straight shooters March to WrestleMania <laughs> uh, we're gonna deep dive into multiple WrestleManias including WrestleMania 15 with Blue Meanie. Uh, we're going to talk about WrestleMania 29, which is both of our first WrestleManias in person. Uh, WrestleMania 30. Uh, yeah, and all that. So we're going to talk about all a bunch of WrestleManias all of March. Get ready. It's going to be a wild ride. But Super Brawl 1997, it took place February 23rd, 1997, like I mentioned earlier, at the Cow Palace in San Francisco, California. At attendance that night, 13,000. 324 people, according to good old, reliable Wikipedia. <laughs> and the one thing I noticed, right off top, because I didn't even think, I've never thought about this until I watched the show. For one, why was Super Brawl the only WCW show to have Roman numerals? You think Starcade might have them, because mm-hmm. that's the biggest show. But no, Super Brawl was the show that had Roman numerals. Do you have an answer for that? Because I have I, theories, I but I, I don't have, I have an answer. I have a double theory. Uh, well, okay. it's really one theory that has a double meaning or whatever. I don't know what the hell I just said. But <laughs> I believe because it was in February and it was a playoff, the Super Bowl. And also, I think it was before WrestleMania. So I think they kind of played off the Roman numeral aspect of WrestleMania, too. So I think they just kind of put that together. And that's how they came up with how they stylized that. Uh, I don't remember if Super Brawl two they had did they have a Roman numeral for that I don't even remember but I can look it up but I, don't I know recall. they did in the previous year ninety six because I ordered that one I believe that was a uh, Hogan <laughs> and Giant in a cage and Loch Ness came out or something like that it was it was crazy and, and, and they did have Roman numerals for Super Brawl two okay so yeah I just I feel like. That's my theory. I feel like it was Super Bowl related, and obviously the Super Bowl has Roman numerals. Uh, but maybe it's also a little bit related to WrestleMania. And maybe it's not related to WrestleMania at all. Maybe it is just Super Bowl related, but 
That's my theory. That makes sense. So much sense, right? That makes sense. Because, you know, for our international listeners, which we have plenty all over the world. Uh, yeah, shout out to some fans in the UK. Right. A lot of fans in the UK. Many countries. I, I got to count how many countries that was. Cause that we a lot of countries. Promote, promote that. <laughs> a lot of countries. I've known this for a while. I've, you know, I've looked at that analytics myself. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, we got a lot of fans in the UK, which is like, I'm not surprised. A lot of big wrestling fans over there. But, of course, the Super Bowl, one of the biggest sporting events in the world. Uh, so you may, I'm sure you know about it. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys have watched it, but it always has Roman numerals attached to it. Uh, except the one year in Super Bowl 50 where it was changed to the 5-0 because yeah. the Roman numeral for 50 is L. And nobody <laughs> wants to go to Super Bowl L. <laughs> and I'd imagine when Super Bowl 100 comes around, I think it's C for Super Bowl 100. Uh, nobody wants to go to Super Bowl C. So <laughs> it'll probably be 1-0-0 for that as well. Uh, but every other one, except like the first two or three, has Roman numerals. Um, so, yeah, that makes sense. That Super Brawl, you know, kind of like sounds like Super Bowl. We're going to add Roman numerals to it, just like the Super Bowl. Okay. Uh, WrestleMania, as we all know, has Roman numerals. And I think they should bring the Roman numerals back, mm-hmm. in my opinion, instead of just this theme. <laughs> like... <laughs> Play button or pirate ship or uh, double swords. Now, this, this year it's double swords. Double we're swords. Tampa, we're right. in Tampa again. Again, so, so they can have fans. Uh, but uh, what else they say? Uh, when it's in Philly, hopefully in 2026, WrestleMania Liberty Bell. Like <laughs> you know, when it's in New York or the shadows of New York City, WrestleMania skyscraper. Like, <laughs> like oh man, yeah. What know. are they gonna do again for MetLife? I don't. I don't know. They'll find something. They'll probably use some more skyscrapers. Ellis Island or something. The Statue <laughs> of Liberty. Did they do that yet? Oh, I think they uh, did the last time. Yeah, like well, t- 2013. Yeah. I think. But maybe do the swamp of New Jersey because, you know, it always takes place in New Jersey. <laughs> Even if they don't <laughs> ever talk about New Jersey at all. Give New Jersey their damn respects. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that makes sense, though. The Super Bowl tie-in. But... This, the event, like, outside of the first one, the first one took place in May of 91. All the other ones took place in February. The Super Bowls back then were not in February. Now, today, that's a common occurrence. It's usually like the first Sunday in February because the season might start a little later, you know, whatever. So from, from like 20, from like, I know 2001 was the first time there was a February Super Bowl because of 9-11. So the season got pushed back a week. And I think they went to, they didn't have the two-week period for the next one. Like, they only had one week between conference championship games and the Super Bowl. So, that was a January Super Bowl with the Bucks and the Raiders. That might have been the last January Super Bowl. I'm thinking since 03, it's been February Super Bowls. So, it's common now, but obviously in 2003, WCW was long gone. <laughs> All right? <laughs> so, in the 90s, Super Bowls were routinely in January. So, by the time Super Brawl rolled around... That's a whole month later. The tie-in doesn't really work for me anymore. Maybe if the event was in January, I'd buy it. But in February, when people are not thinking about the Super Bowl anymore, unless you want it, you know, you're a fan of your team or a player or whatever, you're not thinking about the Super Bowl no more. You're watching uh, NBA, hockey, college basketball, whatever. It, uh, 
doesn't make sense to me anymore. <laughs> but today, like I said, February Super Bowls are like you can bank on it. It's going to be the, like the first Sunday in February. So I don't know. Interesting. Something I thought about. But this event, again, takes place at Cow Palace in San Francisco, which is one of the more historic wrestling venues in the world, I would say. Definitely in the country. Uh, probably one of the more historic, just pure wrestling venues on the West Coast. Um, probably the most. I mean, I don't, I'm trying to think of another venue of that size that's as historic out in like the western part of the United States. Than the Cow Palace, because out here we got you know MSG, you got the Boston Garden, you got the Spectrum, you got Maple Leaf Gardens, and of course you got Chicago, uh, the Rosemont Horizon, you know buildings like that. In the West Coast, how many of those buildings are there? I mean, the West, well, did they run the Forum a lot back out back in the day? Did they run the Sports Arena. I know Sports Arena had WrestleMania Seven, mm-hmm. but um, Cow Palace is probably it. And it was the Coliseum in like, Vegas. <laughs> that had like one event like <laughs> I'm thinking so of cool. like it was cool it's really just like a tennis court though like yeah, right it was, like it wasn't yeah, like it did not look uh, big at all it wasn't it, just cool. <laughs> <laughs> it did look cool they dressed it up very nice but yeah, yeah. it was literally where they would have like cow competitions that's why it was called the cow palace they would literally oh. march cows through there you know like it was that was literally what it was like. They would just march cows through and have like, I think competitions and 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 expositions and you know different types of events with farmers and whatnot, and it was soon dubbed the Cow Palace because of it, and the name just stuck, <laughs> like that's just the name on the building, but of course it was also where big time wrestling was back in the day, in the territories promoted by Roy Shire. And that was one of the bigger, more prominent territories out here and out in the Western United States as well. So the building and the promotion were like two pillars in pro wrestling in the Western part of the country uh, where you had Pat Patterson, Ray Stevens. And they talked about Ray Stevens on Super Brawl. They said the Cow Palace was the house that Ray Stevens built because he was a big name at the Cow Palace. Also, High Chief Peter Maivia, a lot of the uh, the what's the word I'm looking for here? Polynesian wrestlers. Cause you know, obviously they're in the Western, they're, they're closer to Western part of the United States than they are the Eastern part of the United States. They wrestle in California a lot, including high chief Peter Maravilla and the, the wild Samoans and stuff like that. I remember hearing uh, Pat Patterson talk about one of those WWE 24 specials about wrestling. I think it was Peter Maravilla who was legit high chief in Samoa and had legions of fans in Samoa who loved and adored that man. So when you beat him up in front of his fans who were in full force in California, uh, you got some heat for it. <laughs> and Pat Patterson was beating up Peter Maivia and making him bleed. And he said he saw the wild Samoans who were just young guys at that point. They weren't wrestling yet. Sitting them because they would apparently sit lower level, but they would cause such a ruckus. And beat up Pat Patterson, I think, every time he would have a match. <laughs> that he told the promoters, like, hey, uh, could you sit them way up top this time? Because those dudes are crazy. <laughs> like, well, I think it was Peter Maivia's wife, I think, who was promoting that. Maybe, maybe I'm thinking about a different territory. Maybe I'm getting that confused. But, of course, Peter Maivia is the grandfather of uh, The Rock, of course. 
uh, pretty much the, the patriarch of that in Hawaii family, I think. I think he's part of that clan. Either way. Um, but, so one time they sat him up top. Peter Maivia is beating up Peter, uh, Pat Patterson's beating up Peter Maivia again. But here they come still. <laughs> they still <laughs> came all the way from up top and came down and was beating everybody up. So, uh, you know, obviously, big, you know, very historic building in wrestling. I'm not sure what happens there today as far as like other things besides wrestling. Um, it's been around for a long time since 1941. Uh, WWE used to run a couple shows there, including No Way Out 2004, where of course Eddie Guerrero won the WWE Championship. Uh, they don't run there anymore though, because according to Bruce Pritchard, uh, the place was a dump, <laughs> you know, because it's literally a place for cows, like. Yeah, and it's, it was how you said nineteen forty one. So yeah, I'm talking about I World mean, War Two, bro. If you do like, if you're doing renovations, you got to probably do it every single year now, <laughs> and right. minus a new building. Like, but I don't know, you know, the area where it's in, so you can't exactly knock it down and build it right back up. So yeah, right. So, but other promotions have run there recently. All Pro Wrestling and Independent out in, I believe, on the West Coast ran a show there. Uh, didn't draw a ton of people, but they ran a show there because, again, it's historic. It's a historic venue. New Japan ran a show there in 2018, the G1 Special. And I, I looked up a story from WrestleZone that said it was New Japan's biggest U.S. crowd ever. I'm not sure if it topped 10,000 people or anything like that, but it was like the biggest U.S. crowd ever. Hmm. But again, it's a, you know, it's a legendary uh, venue out there on the West Coast. I mean, it's up, like I said, it's up there with like the Sportatorium in Texas and like I said, the uh, the Spectrum here in Philly, Madison Square Garden, uh, Rosemont Horizon, Maple Leaf Gardens, Boston Garden, all those arenas that we all know and love, uh, especially if you, you know the history of, oh, how about Greensboro Coliseum in Charlotte, which is still around, or the Omni in Atlanta, mm-hmm. like those types of buildings uh, that wrestling fans know and love from back in the day, especially in the territories, the Cow Palace is up there, so... That's where this event took place. But we start off not at the Cow Palace. <laughs> we start off in Alcatraz. Love it. <laughs> because if you're in San Francisco, you got to go to the Alcatraz Island, of course. Because apparently, Roddy Piper, to prepare himself for this just bitter grudge match against Hulk Hogan, volunteered to stay in Alcatraz for seven days alone <laughs> in isolation. You know the funny part about this? I don't know if I was not paying attention or what, but I didn't I I didn't know at this time that Alcatraz was near like San Francisco or in and around it. I thought it like hearing the name Alcatraz, I thought it was like on the other side of the world and I was like, How the hell is Piper gonna get there? Like in <laughs> on time a boat for his title match. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> on the front of a boat, no less. Uh, you know, by the way, this pay per view I is one of those. Uh, I think I mentioned it before that I accidentally ordered. Um, <laughs> I, in air quotes, accidentally. I, I remember going in my mom's uh, and dad's room because I. Well, so this was February '97. I had a TV in my room at this point. I had just gotten one, but it was only cable, so I didn't have. Uh, 
or it might have just been you know an antenna at this point. So I didn't have cable, didn't have pay-per-view capability. So I would go in to my parents' room and just kind of every month I would do it. I would turn on the pay-per-view channel just to see if the pay-per-view was on by by chance. And I did it this time and it was on. And I was like, oh, maybe it's like the five-minute preview thing because that happened to be before where it like turned off after five minutes. I was like, God oh, damn. I, I didn't even We've realize all that was a thing until I got older. I didn't. Re- yeah. I was like, why is it turning off? Like, damn it. And notice yeah. I didn't order it. But We've, um, we've all been there. Don't worry. <laughs> so it stayed on. And then after like 10 or 15 minutes, I walked downstairs and I was like, uh, Mom, the WCW has a pay-per-view tonight and it's on. <laughs> I swear I didn't <laughs> order it. <laughs> like, I swear I didn't order it. You could check the cable bill. Like, I swear I didn't order it, but can I watch it in your room? <laughs> so wow. I watched this pay-per-view live February, what was it, 23rd, 1997, yep. in my parents' bedroom. So did it show up on the cable bill? I don't remember, honestly. I, I, I mm. was, you know, I didn't say anything about it afterwards. So uh, I was hoping, you know... I, by the way, I didn't get WrestleMania this year either. WrestleMania 13, I could not get. Uh, it was in March, but uh, I don't think it was because of uh, this. <laughs> I ain't ordering you <laughs> I WrestleMania. Think I, would, I, I think Super I would Bro. remember. I think I, would, I, think I might have got grounded for something else, obviously, closer to that time frame. But a month in advance, I probably a month and change in advance, I probably wouldn't have uh, gotten grounded from WrestleMania at this time. So yeah, I don't <laughs> know. I don't know how it showed up. I, I still don't. And I never asked if it was on the bill. Even as I got older, I never asked. And if I did, uh, my mom obviously didn't, you know, remember at that point. So right. it was just one of those things. And I, so I watched this live and I was, you know, enthralled. Cause I was like, yes, because WCW was on the way up. And I was like, all I was all in. WWF was lame at this point. It was before the USA Canada thing. It was before Austin got like really, really, really like popular. He was on his way, but then he they did the double turn later. So I still wasn't on the Austin bandwagon. So I was like, yes, this is gonna be the best pay per view ever. It's a pay per view. Yeah, uh, it's not it's not bad. No. But I don't know if it was the best ever. I think it fell short of your expectations. Yeah. Just a little I mean, maybe at the time it was. I mean, I mean, they didn't have a logo on the mat, so that dropped it oh, 100 points from right from damn. the Damn. Damn, WCW. You messed up with the start with not Nick. Even, not even we... the WCW logo. It was nothing. That's true. That was I didn't even notice that when I watched it. I was like, <laughs> now you think, now I think about it. They have it on the mat for like every other show at this time <laughs> except Super Brawl. Yeah. I think uh-huh. Uncensored the next month is the last time they used that WCW logo on the mat for a pay-per-view. Then Sprint Stampede, they start putting the pay-per-view logo on. So, Ooh. yeah, that's a little bit of I, trivia I for you. Yeah, that is. I, the trivia I did not know. But <laughs> going back to Alcatraz with <laughs> Lottie Piper, they pan over and he's inside of a cell. And they let him out. Because, again, he's been in isolation. I, solitary yeah. confinement. I guess for seven days. At one point in the show, he even said that he didn't eat or bathe for seven days. He just talked to himself. <laughs> so I guess he just went crazy in there. That's that's the mind state he wanted to be in for this Hogan match. So they opened the, the door, <laughs> right, and he let him out. And he his shirt isn't is all tattered up and ripped open. It's like Alcatraz wasn't open. Like there wasn't no other prisoners in there. Like, that place was shut down in the 60s, 1963 to be exact. 
It was determined. It was deemed a historic landmark in 1986. He was, if he, I mean, obviously he wasn't actually in there for seven days. But let's say, you know, just for storyline's sake, he was. No one else is in there with him, <laughs> right? So how did it all ripped up? Why is he? So, I guess he was dirty. He didn't bathe, but whatever. But he's probably he ripping runs, his own shirt up. I guess he could because he went crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Those perfect tears in his shirt. You know, yeah, they didn't like scissors, just cut them. Yeah, perfect. Very perfect tears. Just, that was the funniest part. I was like, man, those, those look like well done, you know, holes. Right. Those, they don't look, you know, something like Piper was ripping his shirt off or anything like that. But it, They, it they didn't look jagged at all. No. Like someone just cut a hole in the shirt. Like, yep, shirt's torn now. There you go. <laughs> so <laughs> they he runs through the parking lot and he just yells his way through the parking lot. <laughs> then he gets to steps. And then just casually walks. Oh, gets to a gate. I should say they let him out, and he just casually walks out the gate. Like he's not yelling anymore. <laughs> he went from yeah to oh, could you let me out, please? Thank you. <laughs> and then he runs down the steps, all dirty looking, looking like pig pen from uh, the peanuts and stuff. <laughs> and then he cuts his promo about how he spent the last seven days in Alcatraz to prepare for the match, right? And then he got on a boat because again, Alcatraz, for those who don't know, is a is a prison. On an island outside of San Francisco. So it's on the water. So it was hard to escape Alcatraz because it's literally surrounded by water. Mm. All right? I don't know if anybody's escaped or if they did. Very few people escaped if they did. So he gets on the boat and he's on the front of the boat hanging on to a pole or something like that. I don't, I don't know what the technical term is, but that would be on a boat. Sail? And he's just. I guess it was a I sail. Even, I, don't I don't even remember. I wasn't paying attention. Well, all I know is that he's on the front of this boat laughing maniacally <laughs> as he's on his way to Super Brawl. And that's how we opened the show for Super Brawl 7. So we're in store for a wild ride, if that was any indication. <laughs> yeah, I, I right? don't even remember this uh, happening or like why it was happening. And. You know, it was just weird. You know, I had no idea. Like I said, I thought it was like on the other side of the world, and I was like, "Is this live?" Obviously, I thought everything was live. I didn't like understand pre-tapes unless they flat out said, "Hey, this was recorded earlier." But I was like, "Wait, is he not coming to Super Brawl? Like, what's going on?" <laughs> like it, according to the announcers, he got on the boat like then, as the show came on the air. So he had to. He wasn't. At the show until the main event. Which is hilarious. Be- right before his entrance, Bobby Heenan <laughs> says, I've gotten word that Roddy Piper is here. <laughs> yeah, 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 I think so. And he just came funny. right out the curtain. Yeah. So it's like, thanks, Bobby. <laughs> yeah. Right on, right on top of it. Speaking of Bobby, he is joined by Tony Schiavone and Dusty Rhodes on the call for this year's show. Tony Schiavone, our boy Tony Schiavone, never fails. Piper and Hogan, the biggest world title match in the history of our sport until the next world title match. <laughs> like, <laughs> Singing Hogan, don't know anything about it. It hasn't happened yet. It's early 97. Yes. So we've got more time. And we start off the show with a good old-fashioned WCW World Cruiserweight Championship match between Six, who's not the one, two, three kid, not Xbox, Six. Right? Going against Dean Malenko for the title. Six had been on a 
a, 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 a thievery spree, yeah, I guess. He was a kleptomaniac. They called him a klepto a bunch of times. <laughs> I mean, it was an accurate description because he was just stealing title belts, apparently. He stole the U.S. title from Eddie Guerrero. He stole the Cruiserweight title at some point from Malenko. But the one thing I noticed is that his NWO music was hot garbage. Why did they give him that terrible music? They was he not good like... enough for the actual NWO music? <laughs> I, I wonder if it was dubbed over, honestly. <laughs> but what? It had to have been, I guess. But it sounded like some generic music that WCW would have. And it sounded like something WWF uh, would yeah, dub over it with. And we would see Buff Bagwell came out later on with like that new world or like the weird like high paced hype like right high energy nwo music is like no it's like, like what is this no, like but the outsiders and hogan get the cool music <laughs> exactly but the lackeys get the, the trash music mm-hmm. like it was written in their contracts i'm sure pretty much we get cooler music than everybody else <laughs> so <laughs> malenko pretty much dictated the pace early on uh he was going for pins but then he would lift Six up because he wanted to inflict pain because this was also personal for Dean Malenko as I guess Six made fun or said something about Dean Malenko's dad, Boris Malenko, the late, great Boris Malenko. Uh, so Dean was in his usual Iceman self. He was he was red hot this time. See what I did there? Iceman, red hot. Ah. You got it? I got it. You got it? All right. Stay with me here. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> uh. You know, one point six tried to do a Bronco Buster, but he missed. But one thing I noticed is that he jumped all the way to the top rope when he missed. <laughs> it's like, damn, he's a good athlete, bro. Like the, both of these guys are really good athletes, and this match was actually a really good match, a really good opener, I thought, for Super Brawl. Uh, <laughs> well, at one point, uh, Dusty Rhodes said <laughs> that somebody was drowsy, and they're like, "What? You mean drowsy?" Like, no, drowsy. Was, I guess his southern drow made it sound different. So, <laughs> get it? Drowsy? Drow? I'm on a roll tonight. Stick oh, with me. Man. <laughs> <you> <laughs> I'm on a roll, baby. Uh, <laughs> By the but, way, one year, one year prior to this, Six was in a crybaby match with Razor Ramon, February 96 at the WWF pay-per-view. So, now he's fighting for the Cruiserweight match? title one year later. Was that like something where they had to put a diaper on the guy yeah. or something? If you yeah. Yep. You didn't see that? One? I don't recall. That's I mean, I remember your house, it I, so we'll definitely have to dive deep into that. I remember it because I just I remember the stipulation, <laughs> but I don't vividly remember. Actually, like, uh, something to wrestle happened. with Bruce Pritchard just had a podcast on it in your house six. Uh, it was, and uh, yeah, that was the opener, I believe, and uh, it, it made me laugh because. Not not soon before this on Raw, I guess one, two, three kid cried because Razor slapped him, but they never showed this, you know, actual crying. They showed it in like a scene like Raw next week or something like that. And you saw one, two, three kid crying in the ring. But then they never show like that after that. I was so angry because I thought I missed something. And it all led to that crybaby match in February ninety six at in your house. Razor Ramon won. And then fast forward twelve months later. And six and Razor on the same team, and could you, <laughs> could you imagine Vince trying to like hype up like the way he hyped up draw draws to puke on Beyond the Mat? <laughs> yeah. What if he's like selling or pitching the crybaby mat crybaby match to Razor and and one two three kids? <laughs> People like, love babies, right? They love babies, but they don't like crybabies. See, nobody likes a crybaby, right? 
Did you get there? We're gonna have a cry baby match, huh? Huh? You like that, huh? Cry baby, huh? Because you've been crying. And then when you lose, right? You're gonna cry some more. We're gonna put a diaper on it. And then, and then you're gonna cry. You're, you're, you're gonna cry. You're gonna cry. <laughs> and everybody likes it. See? Ha! That's good stuff right there, huh? 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 Cry baby, huh? Be careful with that voice. <laughs> yeah, it might. I might lose it. I'm just saying, man. You. You're directing this ship, so if, you, if your voice goes, I'm gonna have to add this early. <laughs> I'm not going too hard with it. I'm going within reason. Uh, but yeah, that's exactly what voice. Vince would do. By the way, I think yeah. that was perfect. Really hype it up, and you know the crying aspect. Uh, at one point of this match, though, there was a couple of bros sitting on the hard cam uh, in the lower level, and they were going one, two, three, sucks. You know, in reference to six, who was at one point one, two, three, kid. The crybaby in WWF. Got him. They got him. They got him there. Uh, especially one guy who had this mustache and he looked really excited. Like he was just like, yeah, like a big smile on his face. Sucks. Yeah, he sucks. <laughs> we got him. We got him. One, two, three, sucks. <laughs> He's going to go back to WWF. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's and he would. Suck again. A little, over a, month, a little over a year later. <laughs> yep. Yep. He did. It became X-Pac, of course. Uh, at 1.6, grabs the title belt, the Cruiserweight title belt, but Eddie Guerrero comes out, who was the United States Heavyweight Champion, which was, you know, Six stole his title, too, at one <laughs> point. Because, he's again, he's a klepto at this point. But Eddie Guerrero comes out and tries to take it away from Six, but they play it like a tug-of-war, you know. You let me have it. You, know, you let me have it. During the match, and then, great timing. Dur- during the match... The referee somehow missed this part, though, when Eddie Guerrero let go, causing Waltman's uh, momentum to, I don't know if it was by accident or kind of on accident, on purpose, snap back and hit Malenko in the face with the title. <laughs> the ref, for some reason, was cussing out Eddie Guerrero. Don't know why. So he didn't see this happen. Six covered Malenko, got the one, two, three. See what I did there? <laughs> mm. <laughs> I'm full of them tonight. I don't know why. <laughs> but he got the one, two, three, and he got the win, retaining the world championship wrestling cruiserweight title. Was he, he was champion going in, so yeah. Uh, so no, yeah, that was, he, that was no, a good he, opener, he though. He won it, right? Oh, he won it because Malenko was champion. Yeah. He stole it from Malenko, of course, yeah. of course. So there you go. Go figure. Mm-mm. It was a good match, though. That That's was, probably that where just, Eddie Eddie got his uh, cheat steal type thing. Lie, lie, cheat, cheat and steal. steal. Yeah. How did I how did I miss lie? That's a cheat. I don't steal. know. Come on, come on, Nick. Lie, cheat, and steal, man. Yeah. But we will move on to Gene Oakland, who is in WCW's version of like the WWF locker room set, which <laughs> which was odd. It's like y'all didn't have to do that. Y'all could have nice. just had him somewhere yeah. in the hallway. Could have. You know, WWF has their thing. You could do something different. But he was saying that a very prominent WCW mm-hmm. wrestler mm-hmm. was having breakfast with Eric Bischoff, Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and other members of the New World Order. Call the hotline <laughs> to, for him to speculate as to who that yeah, person, or he knew exactly. who the person was. But he's going to speculate what the why or whatever. Just for the speculation, you got to call. Not even for the hard facts. 
just for the speculation. I think it's, this is the reason. Well, it might be this, but you didn't hear that from me, Gene Oakland, on the hotline. <laughs> <laughs> he had to legally say, I'll speculate. <laughs> right. You know, it was, it was Macho Man Randy Savage hanging out <laughs> the, with the New World Order. Allegedly. Was he technically a there. WCW star at that point? Because, you know, he was he was a lot with Sting at this point. So. Oh, well, I mean, I guess mm-hmm. for yes, contract basis. I think that's... Uh, that's where they were going with that eventually. Yeah, we'll get but. into it. We'll get into it later. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> yeah. But Gene Oakland didn't interview his Diamond Dallas Page. You didn't know his opponent was going to be at Super Brawl. He just knew he had a match. And then mid-interview, Gene Oakland tells him through his earpiece, wait, wait, yeah. wait a second. <laughs> like, who's talking to him in his earpiece? Wouldn't it be Bischoff? Doesn't he have to, yeah. doesn't he have to stroke, <laughs> as he would say? You would think. You, know? you would think. But, in Oakland's headset, he is told, or his earpiece, I should say, that he is told that it's going to be Buff Bagwell, that it's going to be Diamond he Dallas, said, Diamond Dallas Marcus, Page's opponent. Marcus Buff Bagwell. It's like he had to say Marcus. It's like no, we're trying to we're trying to get rid of that team. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Buff Bagwell. Buff is the stuff. All right, that is right. That is the catchphrase. All right. I think we talked about how much Buff Bagwell. I like Buff Bagwell. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know if that's a uh, a Can, consensus uh, among wrestling fans. Well, I mean, he could stay there. <laughs> he might I don't be know. A, I like. He might be on a uh, not not very many people. Uh, yeah, hey. by your side. <laughs> I'm also I'm also one of the guys I liked Ryback once upon a time. Like, oh man, he I did. thought he had something. He, you were he had Ryback something, Mark. Oh, kind of, kind of. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I'll admit it. I own up to it. They had something with him, and they dropped the ball. Like that's, you that's not my fault. Ar- <laughs> you, you would just, you'd be hungry, and he just said, "You would just sit around and say, feed me more.'" <laughs> yeah, that was. Hey, people were it. Look, don't get me started about this. All right, <laughs> when he had, he would have arena arenas full of people going, "Feed me more." Like, come on now. Sure, they weren't piping don't those through the through the speakers. Nah, <laughs> we was at some of those shows and people were going, "Yeah, feed me more!" Like, come on now, it wasn't piping that in. Enough right back talk. We're going to move on to this <laughs> six man tag or trios match because Mike Tenay is on the call. He's joining the commentary team because you know it's going to be some luchadors running around here doing some luchador stuff, as some Dusty Rhodes might say, <laughs> doing some lucha libre. I should say, be more respectful. Mm. But um, the weird thing, the, the graphic they had, like the six-man tag graphic, just dance across the screen for some reason. I was like, what the hell yeah. is that? <laughs> yeah, they, they were trying things. <laughs> yeah, they were. Super it was, 90, was 97 time. WCW. A lot, of, a lot of stuff I overlooked because I thought the NWO was so cool. <laughs> so I, yeah. I was like, yeah, six-man tag, that, that graphic, 100% awesome. I, I didn't overlook it at all. I was like, what in the hell is this? <laughs> Dancing across the screen. But in this <laughs> in this trios match, we got Conan, La Parker, and Viano Four going up against Juventud Guerrero, who has a mask, Ciclope, and Super Calo. And Team Malenko was not Ciclope this time. Not this time. It's the actual Ciclope. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing to be noted is that La Parker is not to be confused with La Parker Two, who unfortunately passed away January of 2020. So. On Super Brawl, on this night, it was the original LaParka. Mm. But he now, I don't think he has the name anymore. He now works as L.A. Park. 
So there you go. But Laparka, as an aside, was a real fun character in WCW. Like he's chairman of the W of the, of the board or whatever. You come out with the chairs. You do air guitar with the chairs. Like I always liked Laparka. He had a cool look. Like yeah, one of the more unique looking luchadors they had. You know, most of them were bright and colorful. He had like the skeleton look, and he's only mm-hmm. in black and white. And he would do a dance, and then he'd carry a chair out. Like, he had charisma. A lot of them didn't have charisma, but he did. Yeah, they had cool moves. But like you said, they didn't do, you know, more than just that. Like, they were out there looking like Super Calo with the scully and sunglasses on. <laughs> that never came off. Never. <laughs> like, that's impressive on its own. It is. I don't know how how that happened, but I feel, at one I feel point... like he's super glued. He's super glued to, like... An original mask that can't be all one mask, right? I don't think so. Those, I was checking to see if those glasses were like a part of the mask somehow, yeah. but no, those were they looked like actual shades. Like, yeah, it was like maybe they were up. like maybe they were like really tight so they wouldn't fall off. Like, they're not like normal glasses where they could potentially fall off your face. Like, you know, you get fitted for normal glasses, mm-hmm. they probably might they might fall off your face if you're doing like an athletic endeavor. Mm-hmm. Maybe he had like real small glass that fit his face like to form and they wouldn't fall i don't know he wrestled with shades on like <laughs> just silly I don't, know. I don't know how he did that that's wild but at one point dusty Rhodes <laughs> wondered what the australians would think of this match i guess this is one of the first times wcw is on in australia so they kept mentioning it throughout the night <laughs> and they, then it was like oh yeah the, the only place where boomerangs it, like it comes back to you or something like that like it's a weapon and it was like what <laughs> What are they talking about? Maybe talking that's about, why I thought Alcatraz was, and maybe I thought it was in Australia because <laughs> of all maybe. the hints. <laughs> maybe I love Dusty though. I, I got we got a lot more Dusty to talk about on this show, but uh, I was like, what the hell are they talking about here? <laughs> One thing I noticed is that Tanae said that this was the first pay per view ever in the Cow Palace. I was like, oh yeah, it's also interesting because you know WWF didn't work, run there that much, and in the territory days they didn't have pay per view, so. Yeah. That sounds dead on. Uh, speaking of wrestling attire, our boy Conan, K-Dog, wrestled with a flannel on the entire match. How? Maybe he was cold. Unbuttoned flannel at that. It's get cold at San Fran in February. I, I guess in the arena, too. Yeah. It didn't look that cold because people... I didn't see any coats out there in the crowd. Like Maybe that was his one and only time doing it because he... Definitely didn't do it even when he joined the NWO. He he had like that what a wife beater look and uh, jeans or low jeans. I, were they jeans? I don't even remember. Yeah, they looked like jeans. But the, the tank top tucked definitely, into his uh, you know, boxers. When he, he was wearing tights, you know, in the summer of 96. And I don't know exactly when he changed that character. But this was was one of the early inclinations of it. Hey man, he was he was dope though. Mm-hmm. Conan was great. Like mm-hmm. I think people forget how good Conan was, and he was hella over. Like in Mexico and in the United States, like K Dog when he would come out and go, "Hola, le viva la raza," and people would mm-hmm. be all into that. Like they was, mm-hmm. he had him going. Mm-hmm. Like look, Conan was was over at, at, for for a while there in, in WCW, but. Uh, this match was as expected. It's a trios match, so you're not going to see a bunch of tags. It's organized chaos. That's just par for the course when it comes to trios matches. They just don't have the, the uh, I guess, the rules and the, the structure that like American tag team matches would have. Uh, but that's part of the charm. 
of a trios match. It's just everybody's flying all over the place, including LaParka, who hit a dive on Super Calo while he was sitting in a chair. Because, hey, he's the chairman of WCW, bro. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He's going to do that. Mm-hmm. Somebody almost got put in a wheelchair, though, mm. was Cyclope. When he missed his moonsault from the top rope to the outside of the ring. So, <laughs> I'm watching this match in my living room. My girl is in her bedroom. She's doing like a, a, a work call right in our bedroom. And I see Cyclope hit the ground. I'm like, oh, good Lord. <laughs> like out loud. <laughs> She runs out of the room. Was like, "What happened? What happened?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm just watching Super Brawl Seven in 1997." <laughs> I'm just watching Cyclope like damn near paralyze himself here. She's like, "Man, come on, man! I thought something was wrong with you." <laughs> she didn't ask how Cyclope was. No, she did not ask. She was not worried about Cyclope. She was worried about me because I let. That's the type of sound I let out when I saw this. Like, good lord, oh no! Like. <laughs> By the way, I don't remember if it was on a podcast, but when I showed you that clip of Hulk Hogan beating Brutus Beefcake in the mask with the briefcase, <laughs> you had like the same Jesus. type of reaction. You're like, oh, oh. <laughs> you're like, crack it up. And yeah, so but I that wasn't a podcast. That, that's how you react to certain things where you're, you're not exactly expecting uh, what you see. And that was one of them for sure. I could definitely, uh, I could definitely see you doing that. I was expecting Viano 4 to catch. Cyclope, and I don't know if it was his fault, Cyclope's fault, whatever. Some the miscommunication somehow, but Cyclope hit the ground hard, and it, and it happened just as Dusty Rhodes is saying that Viano Four was like sound, like he's very sound and mechanically, and then <laughs> he just whiffs on Cyclope, and I was like, damn, the Cyclope just made a sound when he hit the ground, bro. Like, <laughs> like that's the sound you're talking about. Like that's bad. <laughs> that was not good. Cyclope. Was able to walk after this somehow. I don't know how he got up, but I don't know if he's concussed or not, but it didn't look good. And then we randomly get this picture in picture of the match, and then we backstage where they're doing like the audio shows, because it's still back when you do the, I guess the internet audio or WCWWrestling.com. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they got Harlem Heat on the show, and it's like, okay, that seemed, I guess they had to plug the, the audio shows, so they did it in mm-hmm. the middle of the. The Luchador match, okay. At uh, one point, Conan and Viano 4 hit the Doomsday device, which I found interesting. <laughs> I thought Hooven 2 was going to fall on top of his head on that one, too. <laughs> mm. That was another, like, oh, moment. Like, cause I don't care how many times I've seen a Doomsday device, it looks like somebody's about to die every time yeah. they do it. Yeah. So it's yeah, scary it's every single time. An incredible move, but just kind of go, oh, yeah. I just remember the one with Henry Godwin where they literally made an angle out of it. And they're like, hey, here's where Henry Godwin broke his neck. And they like steal it or he, and they highlight it. And it's like, <laughs> Did they have a telestrator too? Like there's his neck snapping <laughs> yeah, exactly. right there. And like then John Madden and it goes, like, snap, boom. You kind of like, okay, well, he's justified then. Screw the LOD. Like that's messed up. They broke his neck. Like, of course he would be pissed. He's not the bad guy here. But <laughs> nice a baby face. <laughs> <laughs> where they broke his neck right here. You see that? Yeah. I, I, I That's a C4, a C5 vertebrae. If it was a Raw or like a, a pay-per-view, but they literally, yeah, they stilled it and like paused it right there. And <laughs> wow. Put a, put, a, put a circle around it and be like, this is where his neck snapped. It's like, come Yikes. on, man. Spinal. Yeah. That's a shame. I guess because he wasn't like paralyzed and he came back a few months later, but 
It's still ugly, though. I know. Like, even back then, you're just like, okay, well, let him get okay. Like, he's a good guy. Like, bring it back as a baby face, not like someone that's supposed to be a bad guy. Like, I want to cheer this guy. Bring him back as a baby face and let people get heat on him now. Right. (laughs) Because he broke his neck. (laughs) He messed up. What he did with, uh, was it Gary Wolf in ECW? Uh, Yeah. Shane Douglas grabbed his halo. was the riot. Riot. Right. Yeah. Listen, Joey um, Styles sold that perfectly to me when I was watching it. Even like I didn't watch it live, but even I think it still holds up today because you hear you just hear Styles go <gasps> and <laughs> you hear the crowd, and it's just like a crazy good re- pro wrestling moment. Because he he was apparently fine, thank God. Like at that time, so they decided to do it. Paul Heyman was like, "No, nah, keep the halo on a little bit longer. We'll do this angle." <laughs> Jesus, Paul Heyman, man. <laughs> Hey man, if you got a halo. <laughs> you gotta get some heat on it. Exactly. <laughs> you can. That's why you got the neck braces. You got a halo, some crutches. Gotta get some heat. <laughs> it's easy dub, baby. Right. You gotta get some heat now. Like, oh, you got. You got you, are you fine? But you still got your halo. Hey, let's do this angle. Like, uh, that's that's. I'll do it. Like, <laughs> why not? <laughs> it may not be necessarily tasteful. Right. But let's, gotta get some heat on this guy, man. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm coughing after that. That's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> then they did this like I've never seen this before. Maybe because I, I just haven't watched enough Lucha Libre, I guess. Where they did this like multi-person submission move with like everybody in the match involved except La Parker, who tried to pin I think Juventud. But it was like I, I can't even explain it really. Then they did it again where they called it like the star, like the I forget what. Tanae was like going crazy. Oh, it's the star move. Like, if you look at it from above, it looks like a star. And then they did like another move in well, the middle of the star. They at it from above, damn it. Well, they weren't ready Where's for the that camera, camera angle. They weren't ready for that. Like, I, it was just a lot. Like, everybody in the ring at once doing different stuff. And this is when Heenan goes, Tony, I give you a hundred, I give you a thousand dollars to tell me who the legal guy is in the ring. Thousand dollars. <laughs> tell me who the legal man is. And, you know, obviously Heenan did not have a bunch of experience with trios matches to know that that's how it is. <laughs> the legal man is not, they only have to, I don't, I don't think they even have to tag each other to go in and out of the ring. They just uh, kind of just leave out, the ring. Yeah. You know, just leave and come and go as you please. There's no tagging in, really. You don't have to, at least. Um, the finish is kind of weird with Conan hitting a dope move that, that raises edge, like sit out powerbomb. Hmm. But it was kind of anticlimactic. It was kind of weird. The guy kind of jumped in late, tried to break it up, but they got, you know, intercepted before they can break it up. And then it was over. I was like, oh, okay. Well, all that oh, wow. stuff for like that kind of like anticlimactic ending. Hmm. Nice stuff. I don't know. Why didn't it open the show? Like, come on. Well, you they had the Cruiserweight title show. match. They usually open the show. I thought surprised. That, I'm glad the Cruiserweight title match was the opener. It's a better match, yeah. in my opinion. This was fine, but I like that the Cruiserweight yeah. title match better. Uh, <laughs> then we move on to the World Television Championship with another graphic that's dancing across the screen for some reason. <laughs> but we have the most surprising television championship match I think I've ever heard of. We got. Rey Mysterio, who, I mean, that's not really a big surprise, but challenging 
Prince Iakea won the world television title. And I'm like, I had no recollection of this at all. It was like the first uh, inclination of The Rock. Nah, just kidding. Okay, I'm like, I'm stunned in silence over here. I'm like, what? What do you mean? I'm waiting for like a further explanation. Prince Iakea actually debuted in wrestling two years prior to this, but he debuted in WCW maybe a month or two prior to this and beat William, William Regal, beat Steven Regal, WCW, for the TV title, not maybe the week before this. So, yeah, I remember yeah. being being surprised that uh, I was like, who is this Prince Iakea? Why is he not wearing shoes? Just like I, I hated wrestlers that weren't wearing shoes. You know, like I was just like that. Like they could easily just get step on. It doesn't make sense to me. So I was never a fan of Prince Iakea. Sorry to say. Yeah, he didn't really have like a uh, eventful run. He had no charisma. Yeah. Uh, he showed maybe a slice of it in Ready to Rumble. Remember that? <laughs> He's part of the four post massacre, oh, bro. Man. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the move I never heard of until that movie. It looks like a star from above. Shoot, <laughs> shooting stars. No, they didn't even do that. They just jumped up with a bunch of diving headbutts or something. <laughs> I didn't. I, I still don't understand what the hell they're talking about in that movie. Left leg, right leg, uh, right shoulder, left shoulder. <laughs> like what? Right. <laughs> this man, he's broken every limb on his body. <laughs> he broke his legs, broke his arms. He's massacred. That's what he would say, I guess. I don't know. Uh, one thing looking at Prince Iakea was that was he the first man to ever have a man bun? That's the first I've ever seen of it. This is 97. He had been. sort of like a man bun. And yeah, in wrestling, I don't really remember seeing like that around. I know, you know, if you had long hair, people put it in ponytails, but I, as far as a man bun, I really don't think I, I can't think off the top of my head that I saw it before. That looked like a man bun. It's probably the first person in wrestling, at least, to have a man bun, right? Mm. Like, I didn't. Like, most people had mullets and long hair. Yeah. Maybe a buzz cut, but. <laughs> well, hey, wait a bun. second. This is 97. Yokozuna. Can, do, you, do you consider that a man bun? Uh, that's a good question. That's a really good question. The, the way they did it, you know, wasn't it didn't exactly sit on his head. He had that's such not a, long hair. They, they were that, doing it as he looked like a sumo wrestler, and that's right. I think what was a typical tra- or traditional hairstyle potentially for a sumo wrestler. Right. So, unless you consider the sumo that style of hair the first man bun, I mean, I guess you can throw it that do it that way. So maybe you're right. Yeah, I think that so, Yokozuna would be the my. Hmm. Uh, I don't really know about anyone else. Uh, you know, even when he was made his debut, his hair obviously wasn't as long as it was down the road. But um, yeah, it looked like a man bun to me. His action yeah, figure has the man bun, the Hasbro action figure of Yokozuna. You know, that, nice that haircut is called. Uh, I don't know if it's the technical name of it because I'm. It looks like it's called a chunmaj. C H O N M A G E, and it's. A traditional top knot haircut worn by men. So and that's been around for centuries, I'm sure. You know, um, damn, 
You know, you haven't seen. We haven't seen each other in how long? I got a man bun now, bud. Do you know that? Hey, good for you, man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really post that many pictures, but yeah, I grew. I started growing my hair out even pre-pandemic, but obviously, you know, I haven't gone to get it done. I just, uh, I think I went once just to get uh, the sides done. You know, kind of like do a line the way like Roman Reigns has a line in his hair. Kinda there you did, go. I did that. And then I just take care of it at home. You know, every month I just kind of shave it, uh, you know, sideburns and neck and let go. the top grow. And it's been growing for, what's this, February 2021. I think my last time I cut the top of my hair was November of 2018. So, wow, yeah, two two years worth of uh, hair on my head, <laughs> which is crazy because it's the longest it's ever been, obviously. But, hey, it looks pretty good on me, so... I do it. I rock it. Hey, man, man bun's still in, bro. Yeah. You got to rock it. Hey, my head is shaped so weird that it definitely looks weird with no hair or short hair. So it actually makes my head look normal when I have my hair, like like a normal <laughs> shape almost. So I might keep it for a while. Well, I haven't had my hair cut. I only had two haircuts in 2020. <laughs> because at first, obviously, when the pandemic was first hit, we... The barbershop wasn't open like that. Um, so I went from February to September without a haircut. And it was time. It's time now that I say this. but um, And obviously when things got a little bit better and the season was starting, I was going to the stadium for games. Uh, I didn't want to go to the stadium looking like I've been in solitary confinement for seven months. <laughs> yeah. Or you know seven days, you know. Or seven days, right. So... Like Roddy Piper, so I got my hair cut then, and then I got COVID <laughs> like a couple uh, months later. Surprise! Breaking news: I did have COVID at one point, um, but I'm fine. Don't worry. No. Um, yeah, that was back in November yeah. when I had it. But um, so I, I haven't gone to the barber shop since September. So I'm out here with the at little mini fro still, uh, you know. So I've tried to. Well, we did avoid. a Zoom meeting what two weeks ago. It didn't look that bad. Yeah, no, if you see it in person, you might say differently. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I you know I keep it nice. I keep it nice still. But um, I I just haven't gone. I know people still out here getting haircuts though, and it's probably fine. Like I just haven't really done it. Mm. I don't know, but uh, I'm going to get one soon. I need to get a haircut soon. So I hope it goes well. I hope it does too, but but Prince Ikea again. Yeah, one of the might be the uh, you know. Well, he was not the maybe first the first one at WCW. How about that? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Cause Kevin Nash didn't wear his hair that way. Scott Hall didn't wear his hair that way. Six didn't wear his hair that way. No, like I said, there's buzz cuts, long hair, mullets. That was the. Jericho didn't even wear his hair that way at that point, you know. And he no. he seems to be the one that did the most with his the head hair, head hair, his head of hair, and his facial hair, which cracked me up so many times. <laughs> You're listening to the Straight Shooters, featuring Vaughn Johnson and Nick Picone giving you the best and worst in the world of professional wrestling past and present. The Straight Shooters Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, 
Pandora, iHeartRadio, the Radio.com app, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Spreaker, Player FM, and wherever else you listen to your podcasts. You can become a patron of the Straight Shooters for only $2 per month by signing up at patreon.com forward slash shooters radio. You'll get exclusive content never before heard from two of the best. You can also listen to classic episodes of the Straight Shooters at shootersradio.com. This match. At one point, I thought Dusty gave some good analysis, which is not what you typically hear from Dusty. He's just really funny, which I'm here for. Don't get me wrong. I said, wow, look at that, baby, which is fine for me. Uh, But he said, like, you know, the reason why Flair, Ric Flair, was such a good champion is because if you're the challenger, you got to win by pinfall submission, which means you have to be on the offensive for the most of the match. And Flair was a great defensive wrestler, even though it's funny he say that. But even though I'm pretty sure Ric Flair would get his ass beat for like 45 minutes of a 60 minute match. (laughs) I mean, he'd get his heat in. But for the most part, he's begging off. No, no, yeah. please. Yeah, <laughs> and then beat up. like he would do like a dirty, you know, trick. But I don't know if necessarily that would put him in control because once he gained the upper hand, he would always lose it. <laughs> right. So how good exactly was he defensively? I, I, I don't know. Right. It was look when he's saying it. I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And I thought about it. I was like. Ric Flair would always get beat up, and he'd do the <laughs> the, uh, the 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 bump on his face, and it's like yep. <laughs> he'd stay getting beat up. So I don't know if he's really great defensively. I mean, maybe bend but don't break type of defense, you know? Mm. You know, get, get let them inside the red zone, but they don't score. They only come over with a field goal type of thing, you know? Mm. Flair's giving up a lot of field goals if that's the case. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but one thing they, they talked about during this match, too, another thing that the announcers were talking about was that Rey Mysterio was only 22 years old. And they mentioned earlier that Hooventude had only just turned 21. These dudes were, these dudes were children, essentially, out there killing it mm. in front of thousands and millions of people in WCW. I mean, Rey was wrestling since he was 14, bro. Like, he's That's 22 nuts, in this match. He's a veteran at 22. Like, right. man. Like, he's almost 50 now. So he's been wrestling for like 40 years. <laughs> like almost. almost 50. Holy crap. I thought he was like at that I'm point. Pretty sure Ray is like Ooh. mid 40s. I mean, I obviously he was Ray's 22. 46. He was 22 in 97. So he's but 46 years old. See, he's been around so much. Like, I just think of him as another. I know he can move around still. I mean,. He's still a good athlete, but I thought he was in his fifties. <laughs> I don't pay no. I don't pay close attention to ages, so I know there's a big you know discussion now about WWE having an age problem, and I don't necessarily disagree with that, but I don't I don't look at at it as closely as others, mainly because it's not my full time job. I mean, if I had a full time job covering wrestling, then I would, but <laughs> hint hint out there, but no. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Well. Ray will be 47 in December That's of 2021. That's crazy. So, yeah, he's been so. <clears throat> by the way, wrestling since he was 14. We gotta do some quick math here because I can't think off the top of my head. By the it's way, like 30 years though. Are they turning Ray and Dominic heel? Uh, I don't know. Have you been watching SmackDown? It seems like, I have, but I, like I haven't. I haven't picked up on it. Yeah, that they, they didn't I feel like turn they're like heel. planting seeds because they're not like doing babyface type things. 
Like Rey Mysterio can't before, be a heel, so. bro. How can you make Rey Mysterio a heel? I don't know if they'll do it. If split him and his son up, and that's how. They yeah, do if anything, it. Dominic's a heel. He turns but, on Ray, but Ray can't but, be a Ray's heel. Ray's been doing like not babyface stuff either. Like him and I don't know. It's kind of been back and forth the last few weeks. I noticed it uh, a few weeks ago. Didn't really pay attention to do it this past week, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Ray can't be. I don't. I can't. I can't imagine Ray. Does being he have a heel. his eye back? By the way, did they give him his eye back? I think they gave him his eye back. Okay. <laughs> they gave it back to him. <laughs> oh, by the way, like they just probably casually said it to him, like in like when he's walking in the hall. Hey, you doing? Oh, by the way, you can have your eye back. Oh, thanks. <laughs> How are we gonna explain that? Uh, don't worry about it. Yeah, because <laughs> look, I don't even, I didn't, I don't, I didn't even care about it either. Like I forgot all about that. <laughs> like that he lost his eyes. Like I don't know. We know we had both eyes back on Super Brawl in '97, though. We know that for sure. That he's one of my favorite segues you've ever done. <laughs> we know that for sure. Uh, he had to have both eyes to pull off that senton type dive he did on Ikea, where Ikea was lying vertical, which was like that was a unique way to do it because usually you see guys like horizontal, I guess, and you land on the guy's chest, but he did it vertical, like his butt could have landed on Ikea's face, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and that probably wouldn't have been pleasant for either guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ayake had like a big Samoan drop looking move from the top rope or from the middle rope or whatever. Uh, and then Steven Regal comes out, the former world television champion. And while Rey Mysterio is ready to load up for a big move on the apron, Regal pulls him off and Mysterio hits his face on the apron, which if you know, if you hadn't heard, is the hardest part of the ring. So and even in WCW. <laughs> any ring. Okay. And Ray Mysterio is locked, knocked out, incapacitated, or whatever you want to call it. Ayakea pins him, and he wins. This is when things get weird. <laughs> Just a little I did bit. not understand this. Because Ayakea, I mean, he's a babyface. Okay, he doesn't want to win that way. He's not like, oh, happy about the win. Okay, understandable. But instead of just saying, you know, I hate to win that way, but I'm still the champ. Bye. He, he gives the belt to Mysterio. It's like, no, no, no. Even though you may not want to win that way, he didn't win. Like, and, like, Mysterio had you beat, and he was about to pin you, and then something happened. Or he had him pinned, and the referee was down, and you're like, oh, you can count to 30 on this one. It wasn't like that. You, it wasn't, that wasn't the case. You know what's <laughs> like, funny? Eddie Guerrero does the same exact thing later on. He does, which is weird. Like, he puts the belt on, on Jericho's shoulder. It's like, what? Uh, but... And Guerrero had even less reason to do it because he worked there <laughs> <Exactly>. square. <laughs> what you like, put a belt on his shoulder what is for? This weird type of stuff going on, man. Like, come on. I don't know. Mysterio rightly gave it back to Ayakea <laughs> because that was just weird. And then that's the end of the segment. And it's like, maybe all right. They, maybe they had a rematch the next night. I don't remember, but yeah, just mm-hmm. strange things. Like, hey, I pinned you, but here, <laughs> have it. It's like, uh, right. How about no? And how did Ayakea know that Regal has something to do with it? Didn't he just he just, oh, he just <laughs> walked up and pinned him? Exactly. Or rolled up and pinned him. Whatever you want to call it. I don't know. Same thing. Same thing. <laughs> same same. Almost knocked something over on my desk here. Oh, I heard yeah, that. I don't know if you heard that. Okay. Yeah. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right, talking with my good. hands. I'm talking with my hands and I can get a little demonstrative maybe. That's funny because uh, I don't move my hands at all. 
<laughs> like while well, I'm doing this, but like I in person I would. I'm doing it right now though, because right. now I'm thinking about it. But I don't normally <laughs> no, do it. Conscious, <laughs> self-conscious about it. Yeah, now I'm going to be doing it all the rest of the podcast. Yeah, I do it, and I'm, I'm in the room by myself, which is weird, right? It's probably weird. Well, I'm in the room by myself too. Right. That's even more reason why you don't do it. No, I'm in the room by myself. I'm I'm oh, literally no, pointing okay. at the T. I got you. You're using my hand to point at the screen right now. You're not on the screen. Not even looking at me. <laughs> and I'm still doing it right now. Now I'm self-conscious about it. Now I got to stop doing it. Now this now the show's going to go uh, downward. I don't know what to do hands. with my hands. I'm not I'm like Ricky Bobby. Like, I don't know what to do with my hands. Like, have you seen Talladega Nights, Nick? I have actually, but that was Thank a very long time Lord. ago. But I I sort of remember. Oh man, another classic. Was it Probably, was arguably, it about the woman or something? He doesn't know what is or no. Am I what? Did he cheat with his like friend's wife or something? That was the other way around. His his wife cheated with his friend, Cal oh. Naughton. Oh, okay. Yeah, see, I totally forget. It's been come on. When did that come out? In like oh five? Yeah, oh five, oh six, something yeah. like that. I probably watched it a year or two after that. But uh not since. <laughs> probably uh, my one of my favorite Will Ferrell movies. Wow. I'm trying to think. Old school's up there is pretty funny. Yeah. Old school. Uh, I do like. Uh, I did like him in Zoolander. Yes. That's uh, Mugato. Yes. Yes. Oh, Anchorman. Anchorman has to be up there. Yeah. That's a classic. Yeah. See, if you quoted something from that, I probably would have recognized it instantly. <laughs> <laughs> San Diego. <laughs> when he read the teleprompter. Like, we even made reference to that when you read the wrong date on this podcast. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, I, I am Paul Johnson. It's even in the intro. Um, but when he said, go F yourself, San Diego, and the uh, I guess one of the producers comes back and he's like, I'm sorry. And he's like, you got all the poop out of your mouth. Take all the poop out of your mouth. That's one of my favorite like scenes ever. It's so stupid and it's hilarious and I love it. Putin. Uh, Rod Burgundy with your poop mouth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Take all the poop out of your mouth. So it was also one of the first videos I ever took on my flip phone that had video capability. I actually recorded, you know, my TV, what that scene. So I had the video <laughs> on my phone. How funny is that? Oh, man. What a time. You can record your flip phone and then yeah. you record video on I was just thinking, like, somebody, like, I'm thinking that, 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 um, that meme of LeBron when he's at the, um, at Raw, and he's recording something on his flip phone from like 03, 04 or something like that. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. well, maybe taking a picture, I guess. Yeah. And he got the smile on his face. I he's saw like, that. Yeah. he's like 18. He's like a baby, <laughs> yeah. essentially. Yeah. <laughs> and he was at Raw taking, doing a video. Yeah, like no muscle like, on him. This <laughs> is like, no, like who is a baby that? face. No facial hair. Um. So, yeah. That's Ray Mysterio versus Prince <laughs> IK. <laughs> we say all that. To say that's the end of that so, match. Yeah, yeah. We move on, though, to Gene Oakland back in the locker room with the Giant. And he's very calm and collected, you know, I guess talking about he's going to beat up the NWO in their <laughs> world tag team title match. Yeah. Nothing else to really see like, here. Lex Luger has a broken arm, so he's not cleared to compete. Until he was, apparently. Yeah, yeah. yeah. how about that? Until he was. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit as well. But up next... We have Diamond Dallas Page versus Buff Bagwell. 
which means we get more trash and W.O. music. Weird. <laughs> and we also get, speaking of the giant, when he, you know, we talked about when he was smoking a cigarette on his way to the ring, which is, looks, looks comically silly because the cigarette is like a, like a toothpick in his hand compared to other people's <laughs> hands. And I forgot that DDP was smoke a cigar on his way to the ring sometimes. Yeah, that's funny. And it and just brought me back to our conversation. I think that was Halloween Havoc '98, when uh, talked about. Remember once upon a time when you could smoke indoors? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would go to pool halls and it would be like and nothing sit but the smoking smoke. section of a restaurant. Like, yeah, you know, I'm much go different times living now. Go to a diner and. Like, uh, right. not smoking places. <laughs> yeah, that's just, and I don't understand that. Man, I don't understand that. Why would you want to smoke around food? But, mm. you know, there are some places in the country or in, you know, uh, or different type of places where you can smoke indoors and, you know, you gotta have the right permits for it, but, uh, it's still possible, you know, here, but it's not, not nearly as, um, prominent as it used to be, especially in arenas, public places like an arena. No, mm. hell no. Yeah. Not gonna happen. Mm-mm-mm. Nasty. <sighs> one thing I noticed, yeah, it's yeah, it's rough. But um, one thing I noticed was that Buff Bagwell had a lot of red on, even though he's a member of the NWO. <laughs> I was like, was he the founding member of the Wolfpack? Hmm. Is he the true founding member of the Wolfpack with all that red on? I think hmm. I know the answer to this. Is it yes? Because that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Oh, there you go. We cracked the case. Open, gonna, shut case. You know what? Let's just make a red and black. And Buff's like, no, I'm going to sue you. And he, you know, that's that's where the real heat and tension started. Mm, mm. At one Ho- point, though. Hollywood was like, I got your back. <laughs> right. He, yeah, he was. He was never in the Wolfpack. Right? He's, he's in Hollywood, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah, he was Wolfpack before it was cool. I guess. I don't know. At one point, Bagwell shoves referee Scott Dickinson, but the referee shoved him back, and he takes a bump, you know? And that was... So that happened a lot in wrestling, too. I hate like, it. I've seen Flair do it. I've seen Triple H do it. Mm-hmm. You don't, You say you don't like it, though. Uh, I don't know. Flair and Triple H, like, I think it's more entertaining because of the character. Uh, Scott Dickinson doing it to Buff Bagwell in February 97 didn't hit, you know, the way... You know, would it be Flair or <laughs> Triple H? It was. Just, I thought it was ridiculous. I think, and I think Buff pushed him hard enough to where he could easily call a DQ, and then he pushed him down. I just thought it was lame. I was like, DDP, get away from this trash. <laughs> the thing is, though, the wild part is like that doesn't happen in any other sport. <laughs> you imagine <laughs> somebody shoving a referee from one, they're getting immediately ejected from that game. Right. Whether it's a football game, basketball game, you shove an umpire, you get ejected. You, you just talk to an umpire sometimes, you get ejected. Like, umpires will eject you for doing nothing. Like, you just look at them the wrong way. Like, you stare at them a little bit. <laughs> yeah. You're out of here. Like, like, I didn't even say nothing. <laughs> like, uh, but can you imagine if. Look, they can, they can be sensitive sometimes to say that. They can be <laughs> quick to eject people. They're the real enemy of the people. <laughs> 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 oh, y'all having fun? Oh, you yeah, super exactly. excited player. You came here to see Get this on out of here. <laughs> <laughs> y'all having way too much fun out here. Now with attendance, you know, 
that's going to be probably scarce for a while. I'm like, oh, you're you're only here for your second out of the three games this season, and you want to see this guy? Nope, he's gone. <laughs> Get on out of here. But imagine if the referees were shoved back. <laughs> you imagine? Like that would never be why be like front page of every newspaper or top of sports center at like for four days straight. Like when referees hit back. <laughs> and you know what That'd makes me laugh too? In addition to that, it's like what if you know a referee gets trucked over and is unconscious, but the game continues. Damn. <laughs> Well, they got backup referees. That can happen. Referees, right. I've seen that before. Like referee, like a football referee would get like, maybe he would hurt himself somehow, like from running or something. Yeah, like they take yeah. a bad fall. They so have replacement you, referees on. So standby. how do you trust a, a referee that just got knocked out in wrestling? That's just getting your senses <laughs> to, to count three. What and like well, between two and three, it's obvious they're not going to have the reaction time if somebody kicks out. Like, come on. You can't trust right. that ref. That's a that's a fair point. That's a real headline. And they have, have instances where they would bring out another referee. I literally just, just watched Booker T win the world title from Jeff Jarrett today. And the, the ref, first referee gets knocked out by Jeff Jarrett. He just hit him with the stroke just so he could hit Booker T with the, the guitar because that's WCW in 2000. They could just knock out referees for no reason. But a second referee came down and did the pins. Like, other matches, the referee is just like groggy, like, oh, but I still must count. <laughs> must count to three. Even though I'm half conscious, I still have to do my job. <laughs> Get out of here. So silly. So silly. Pro wrestling is silly sometimes, boy. It is. It, is. it really is. Dramatic. That's the point. That's the charm. That's why we love it. Uh, <laughs> Buff Bagwell, speaking of, you know, counts. Uh, had the match seemingly won, but instead of letting the referee count to three, he wanted the referee to count to ten while he did his poses. You know, he had to pose. Blackwell must pose, right? <laughs> and then he picks up DDP for a neckbreaker. DDP counters into a diamond cutter, and seemingly that's the end of the match. You know, because when somebody has a diamond cutter, I mean DDP has a diamond cutter, I should say, or someone. It's over, except when it's Goldberg. He's the only one, I think, that I can remember that kicked out. But before he could pin Bagwell to get the pin, the whole NWO ran out to, to stop it from happening. <laughs> and DDP ducked out of the ring and escaped through the fans. And while he was hanging out with the fans, they officially announced that he had actually won via disqualification. Ridiculous. Which is like, shouldn't he have been counted out? Cause Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> this is Earl Hebner level bad right here. Oh man, I was pissed. Close I mean, the logic gaps, damn it. <laughs> I guess it's like they they didn't belong there. But like, so just have him de- diamond cut someone that attacks him and then escape, and then have everyone else come in. Like that's how you do it to make that result make sense. Ugh. Yeah, that was weird. But I guess they got what they wanted. I guess they didn't want Buff Bagwell to be pinned. I guess they were protecting Buff as the stuff. Mm. I guess. Uh, and DDP got the win to celebrate with the fans. So mm. that's what they wanted, I guess. Unreal. It was it was a little bit weird. Because I'm like, oh, DDP just ducked out. Because I, when I saw yeah. the results, I'm like, oh, DDP wins. Okay, cool. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm figuring he's going to hit the diamond cutter and pin Buff Bagwell. That seems very reasonable. Doesn't seem like something that's outside the realm of possibility. I'm like, okay, okay. And then I watched the match. I'm like, huh? Wait. Okay. That's how he won? Like, he left. And then he had announced it. I'm like, by disqualification? Like, and I had to look back at the results. I'm like, oh, he did win by DQ. That's weird. Oh, well. <laughs> just, you know, WCW was doing very well at this point. Yeah, but they obviously still had I didn't care here. at that point. You know, I didn't. Like, just looking this back and seeing, like, the logic and how you understand pro wrestling and, like, that's not what should have happened. Like, have someone attack him and have him diamond cut and then skip out. Like, that's that should have been known to whoever put this match together. Like, it... Look, at the end of the day, they didn't DDP touch was over. <laughs> DDP was over, so I guess it didn't matter. Just like, hey, prime example. <laughs> Steve Austin, Cactus Jack, and Vince McMahon. By my hand, will you not win or whatever. <laughs> and it's, Steve Austin literally took unconscious Vince McMahon's hands and counted to three and won the match. Which, <laughs> what? It's so great. And I totally missed that watching it live, like by my hand thing, the whole thing. I totally missed that. Uh, like even afterwards until, you know, I watched it as an adult and I was like, oh my God, like by my hand. And he literally took his hand. Like I didn't get that back then. I didn't understand it. Those are little pay things. Attention that, to it. Those are little things that WWF don't do anymore. Just no, like pretty much kind of secretly tell the, like, do it reveal the finish within the promos leading up. Yeah. It's like a subtle way of like telling you what the finish is going to be mm-hmm. in the lead up, but and how he Vince always... McMahon was unconscious, bro. Like, it shouldn't, <laughs> and how shouldn't Vince have happened. Say, like, I guarantee something, and then it would actually happen. But how they got there, he just kind of like, oh, like I guarantee Austin's will will not be champion tomorrow, and then he wasn't. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> he was right. I get it? He damned guarantee BS. <laughs> you sob. Uh oh, okay. Settle down then. <laughs> Settle down. Well, we move on though. They announced the winner of the Super Brawl sweepstakes with some guy named Keith Phillips from Ogden, Utah, wherever the hell that is in Utah. Uh so congrats to him twenty four <laughs> years later. Hopefully he's still alive and kicking, you know. Um he got a trip to Super Brawl because of it. Good for him. We move on now. To the WCW United States Heavyweight Championship, Eddie Guerrero defending against the Lionheart, Chris Jericho, who, because he's a Lionheart, because he was a babyface, he had such big trash, super trash music. Like his, it was so optimistic and just whimsical. It sounded like something from a damn 90s TV movie or a TV show. It was so bad. Did you notice this? Uh, yeah, <laughs> and so did your dog. <laughs> yeah, he. But that was like too WCW much, back then. That was like they did that stuff. His was the worst, mm. like by far the worst. Like <laughs> Ray Mysterio didn't have good theme music neither. It still sounded like he had Demolinko's theme music, but Jericho's was terrible. My God, he's had such good theme music over the years. That hearing this is like, oh, oh, God. <laughs> like I know he didn't like this. This was trash. Like. And it's like generic so number twenty-eight or something like that. God, it was so bad. Even Lex so Luger bad. had generic theme music. How funny is that? Like their main eventer, their main eventers had like NWO was really the only one. 
that was I, I I guess WCW made that one, but or maybe it was part of something I else. I don't it. even remember. I but. hated it. I hated Jericho's. Speaking of Jericho, did you see that his his wife was allegedly at the Capitol on January sixth? Oh, his wife no. and his mother in law. <laughs> allegedly, allegedly, don't know that for certain. That's all on Twitter. Um, <sighs> so you can't believe everything you see, but. She didn't storm the Capitol, I don't think. There's no evidence of that. But they, people posted photos of her, I think it was photos of her and her mom at the Capitol on January 6th. So, <clears throat> it's just funny. Like, this pandemic and this past election just really just un- unveiled all the, the idiots and the bigots and the racists out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like, like it just, they it, were on the fence. They're no longer on the fence. <laughs> Like, or we just see them in plain sight now. They can't hide. They right. they came out like, "Hey, here we are, guys!" Like, exactly. Take a look. And it's like, oh, you you dumb dumb. Like the pandemic, mm-hmm. especially like pandemic. One thing is like, mm-hmm. if they were an idiot, you saw it in plain sight because of the pandemic. And Jericho, as much as I was a big fan of his, and I think he's still a legend in the industry. Said some idiotic things over the last like six seven months. <laughs> you know who else <laughs> did? Austin Aries. Who oh yeah! Apparently had a signing uh, and demanded that people don't wear their masks because so, COVID isn't real to this goofball. Yeah, what the it's hell? Not real man, and it's funny because I even I saw the, our, I was actually looking for him on Twitter because he was in the news about this, and I obviously don't follow him, whatever. And I saw like some news items, and so I looked for his Twitter account, and I couldn't find it. And here I finally find it, and I realized he blocked me, and it was all because back in July of 2020. I he he had made a you know tweet about uh, censoring and all this stuff and uh, shadow banning his account and I, like literally he was hiding replies because Twitter now has that feature where people can hide replies to their tweets mm-hmm. and Austin Aries was literally doing that and I responded to him saying you're literally hiding replies so like you know my obvious you know point was. You're complaining about censorship and stuff like this, but you're censoring, you know, <laughs> you're people censoring underneath the you. people. So <laughs> he blocked me right after that because <laughs> that was our last interaction. So he he clearly has something going on uh, that's not great. Something so, weird, bro. Yeah. Something very yeah. weird. It's, it's like, like I said, I, said we, I posted a screenshot on Twitter and I said, I guess Austin Aries got a little short with me. Ooh, yeah. it's a height joke. It's just, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got it. I got it. Uh, <laughs> it's just there's no indication that Jericho was like like a uh, like a. I won't say he's a. He's not a denier. He just didn't take it as seriously as he should have taken it with the whole uh, Sturgis thing. They're like, oh, only this number of cases. Whoa, that's nothing. Like, bro, are you serious? Like, those cases they go back to their home country, home not countries, but home states and home cities. Like, what are you talking about? Hometowns, but. Uh, to be a straight up COVID denier, I got no rap for you, bro. Like you can at least acknowledge this is a thing, and you right. may not worry about it. You may not you you yourself really care for whether you get it or not, or whether others get it. But you can't say it's not a thing. <laughs> like Mm-mm. like Austin Aries is doing. You are are you are you insane? And it's like we had. There's always like rumors of people talk about like Austin Aries is the most the most pleasant person to be around in the world. And then I remember when uh. Uh, Thea Trinidad or the former Zelina Vega, you know, came out on Twitter when somebody asked her about Austin Aries because he's a date, 
And she's like, I ain't got nothing to do with him. I want nothing to do with him. I'm done with him. I was like, damn. <laughs> she came out strong. What the hell happened she between did. them two? And this is before the pandemic and everything. Mm-hmm. But she came out strongly. It was like, nope, don't want nothing to do with that man. She had nothing nice to say about him. <laughs> like, And it's like, maybe this is why. Because he's a goof. Yeah. Maybe this is why. You know? So... I still, I still can watch Jericho's matches at least and be like, you know, he's still really talented. Yeah. He's still a legend. We may not agree on political views or <laughs> this damn virus. And at least he also seems to want to do good by the young stars in the industry uh, and not exactly take over and be, you know, in the spotlight where you know, a lot of other veterans through the years yeah haven't been like that so he comes across that way in the wrestling industry people obviously know him at AEW um you know you would think that you know political sides views notwithstanding he should yeah absolutely uh and hopefully he's there for the young talent and get them better and uh you know hopefully uh, I mean I don't I don't even think they're gonna like unionize and stuff but that'd be great to see but what an AEW yeah which, How can they do that? Do they have the, the money to do that? That costs money for the company I itself, know. at least. Well, you know, they're supposed to be the woke company, right? <laughs> uh, good luck with that. <laughs> but ho- with hopefully, that. you know, he's not anti-union and stuff. By the, and I've, I've seen that back, like, what's it in? Uh, I forget where it is. Is it in Florida? Like an Amazon company? This is like literally trying to stop unionization oh bust like, up unions is, is, yeah is this not illegal like what the hell's going on here like i'm pretty sure it is un- unreal unreal wwe should the wrestlers in wwe should have a union because i'm pretty sure wwe can afford it <laughs> they can afford to do, do health care and yeah. uh all the the things that come with being in a union the uh, 401ks the pensions mm-hmm. and all that mm-hmm. uh you know when they're making multi-billion dollar television deals they should be able to help you know Pay for a wrestler's uh, pension or four hundred one k and whatnot. They do it for the office guys, but not for the wrestlers. So, mm-hmm. uh, but that's that's a different conversation for a different day. Uh, back to Super Brawl ninety seven. We're in the Cow Palace, like I said earlier, and this match takes place almost seven years to the day before Eddie Guerrero won his first and only WWE Championship in the same building. Of course, this took place February twenty third. Seven years later, on February 15th, Eddie Guerrero beat Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship. So how about that? How about that? Uh, but this match, he's walking in as, as a WCW United States champion. Uh, and this match started off kind of slow. I don't know if you noticed that. And I think the fans got a little restless with this match, which is wild to think about because this is Jericho and Guerrero. I mean, it's like I said, say what you want about Jericho. His talent is undeniable, at least especially back in the day. And he's big star in the industry so this could have been a main event in like 2004 2005 before you know unfortunately Eddie Guerrero died but here we are 97 and people were like uh do something (laughs) like they didn't come out with boring chants but they were like they got a little restless for a certain for a minute there yeah and even later this year we did a deep dive on a clash of the champions where these guys faced each other in August of this year in, in 97 where Guerrero was a heel now and their matches were a lot better. They faced each other at Fall Brawl, and it was a good match. So maybe it was just, you know, they had a lot of matches <laughs> with each other in WCW, and maybe this was one of the first ones they had against each other. I don't, I don't really remember if they faced each other before this, but uh, maybe it was just like a, uh, maybe they were not feeling it that night. I don't know. 
You can have an off night here and there. Yeah, because they're it was this is their matches in the summer and fall were awesome. It was just odd. One thing that was odd though, I noticed that the announcers, especially Heenan, kept talking about, oh, he's going to Riddick Boehm. He's going to make him Riddick Boehm. I was like, wait, what is he? And he kept talking about it when someone was like in a submission, mm-hmm. and they, I guess they they looked like they were on the verge of tapping out or quitting, right? I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Why do you keep mentioning that? So, for those who don't know, Riddick Bowe is a, I guess you call him a legend. He's a former undisputed heavyweight champion in boxing. So, that, that kind of makes you legendary status, right? He used to beat Evander Holyfield and was the heavyweight champ. And he, he got his own video game. And he was a big deal for a little bit, at least, you know. Like, yeah. maybe not for a lengthy, lengthy, not as lengthy as uh, Evander Holyfield, who was, I think, a four-time heavyweight champion and... Had a long, long run uh, as a uh, as as a top guy in you know in boxing. Mm-hmm. Riddick Bo had his time; it came and went. But in '97, I'm thinking like, okay, so they keep talking about it. Maybe, <laughs> maybe he uh, had a match and quit. In mm. the match, maybe he said no mas at some point. Maybe. maybe that's why he they keep saying it. You know, like, oh, 97, Riddick Bowe, he tapped out of his match. No mas, whatever. I looked up Riddick Bowe. I just typed in Riddick Bowe quit in Google to maybe figure out what this fight was, when this fight happened, who was it against, what were the circumstances. And to much to my surprise, this had nothing to do with boxing. <laughs> like, <laughs> apparently, Riddick Bowe retired from boxing before this event, obviously, and attempted to join the Marine Corps, he enlisted, or he officially, you know, went to basic training, February tenth, nineteen ninety-seven. February twenty-first, nineteen ninety-seven, he left basic training. <laughs> like I can't do this. He quit the Marine Corps. He wanted to join the Marines and be like, I want to make my mom proud. I want to do something different, you know. And it lasted all but eleven days, and he couldn't couldn't take it. I never knew this until Super Brawl. The things you learn from yeah. watching old wrestling shows is yep. wild. Yep. 11 days that Riddick Bowe was in the Marine Corps and he quit. Mm. So, former heavyweight champion, couldn't hack it in the Marines. How about that? Those are your little factoid for the day. You're welcome, yeah. everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at one point, Eddie Guerrero did a brain buster. And it got me to thinking... Did Eddie Guerrero have the best brain buster ever? If not, he was up there. Absolutely. He had to be up there, right? Yeah. And that WCW match seemed like it was so much harder, even though it might not be, not have been, but it always seemed like it was louder. And so when he did it, I was just like, oh, man. like Maybe it was a WCW thing. I don't know. The mat always sounded great, though. Yeah. I always liked the sound of the WCW mm-hmm. mats. Or the ring, I should say, whatever. But... Mm-hmm. I don't know. And maybe it's because like, it was, you know, smaller. But yeah, I don't, know. I don't know. But I don't have a list of the best brain busters of all time. I mean, we're not gonna. <laughs> I don't know if we can count like Tully and Arn in that, but you know, the the tag team is called the brain busters. But the actual move, the brain busters, like I don't know who just like offhand did like great brain busters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if there is a list out there, I'm willing to bet Eddie Guerrero is near the top of that list. He had a great mm-hmm. brain buster. Like it's, like it killed people when he did it. Uh, 
And he also obviously had one of the best frog splashes of all time, which to Absolutely. me, the top three, I don't know, no particular order. It's Eddie Guerrero. We talked about this before. Eddie Guerrero, Rob Van Dam, D'Lo Brown. <laughs> D'Lo has to be up there. Like, I'm telling you, his frog splash, nobody, they didn't call it a frog splash. They called it with the lowdown. But mm. wasn't the lowdown? Yeah, it was lowdown, right? Yeah. Because the power bomb was the sky high. That he had a little power bomb yeah. movie yet. Yeah. Uh, that was a dope frog splash. So to me, those are my top three frog splashes. I know there's probably others out there like, why are you crazy? But like, no, D'Lo Brown deserves to be in that conversation. We talked about it before. I'm talking about it again. Talk. <laughs> shout out to D'Lo Brown. So, uh, Guerrero and Jericho do like a pretty unique sequence where they're trading maneuvers. But at the end of it, Eddie Guerrero pins Chris Jericho to retain the U.S. title and. They showed respect to each other after the match. And then, like you mentioned earlier, Nick, Guerrero weirdly put the title on Jericho's shoulder. It was like, hey, here you go. You deserve it, even though I just beat you fair and square. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what? Uh, I said, uh, I wrote, weird, stupid, respect my ass. <laughs> they tried to make it sound like it was a respect thing. The commentary, commentary did. I was like, no, like, no respect. What is this? Yeah. I didn't understand it. Maybe it was just like a, a brain fart or something like that, and he's like, no, just raise my hand, bro. Okay, yeah, just raise your hand. Yeah, like, <laughs> I'll just raise your hand because you're not the champion. I'm the champion. What are you? What am I doing? Mm. I didn't understand it. But moving on, we get a triangle match, triangle tag team match, which is supposed to be a four corners match, but it, it got reduced to a triangle match between the Faces of Fear, Harlem Heat, and the Public Enemy. This again supposed to be a four corners match. Involving the Steiner brothers, but they were apparently in a car accident that was caused by the Outsiders, so they were taken out of the match. Shame. Yeah, you remember that? I do not, the but video? they talked about it on. Oh gosh. They talked about it on night on uh, Super Bra as if it was the most horrific thing they had ever seen. Dude, it, I I was scared. I was like, "Yo, National Hall need to be like arrested. This is oh real God. life, man." They had. So they they spliced the video together, obviously. So it was edited. I could tell now, but they followed them from like their house or a store or something. And you see like Rick Steiner with his arm outside the car. That you know, what uh, I was about to say, one, two, three, kid. Uh, Six is videotaping it from the back seat, and Hall and Nash are in the front, and Rick Steiner is like out driving, and he's uh, you know putting his arm out the window like hey. hey and they run him off the road and the car flips over it's crazy just once but uh it's still like you know a crazy sight to see it if obviously you know like it was edited uh you don't really look at it the same way but as a kid you know i didn't know edit what edited video looked like whatever so i thought it was real and i was like what the hell like this is wrestling and you're running guys off the road that's messed up i'm looking <laughs> at it right now as you say this, and yeah, they're, yeah, they're in right? that car. It's crazy, and, and it's you know <laughs> not even that long. It's oh, maybe like, yeah, Jesus! Right? They they hit it a couple times, and then they've you know run them they, off the they road. Did a, they did a quick edit there, like you tell, like they kind of yeah. like turned the camera away and turned it right back. But yeah, yeah, that's uh that's wild. I remember being horrified. I was you know twelve year old kid. You know, like what the hell? As you should. <laughs> that's wild so I don't know. I didn't, I've never seen that 
that footage looks trash, by the way, but <laughs> I've never seen that. Um, yeah, so that's what I think. I believe they showed it on Nitro at first, and even Tony Schiavone was like not wanting to show it, but I think they showed it because they wanted us, the viewer, to see it. And, of course. Uh, you know the way they reacted to it. You know, it seemed like real life, and I was I was hooked, man. This type of stuff got me hooked. Yeah, the, the way they talked about it on the show was like it's the most horrific thing they've ever seen. We won't show it again. Like it's yeah. terrible. They're gonna wrestle again, hopefully one day. But right. oh, what a couple scumbags those outsiders are. Mm. So, uh, what, <laughs> this match uh, was I don't know was it officially for the number one contender spot for the tag titles or they made it seem like it kind of was, but it wasn't. Like I don't even think so. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. <laughs> I mean, did Public Enemy ever get a title shot? <laughs> I don't recall. I mean, I really don't recall much what they did in WCW. I know they yeah, were there. Yeah, they just they brought a table really, out. <laughs> then they, yeah, wore, they didn't really fit in. With the Flyers jerseys for a Philly street fight every time they came to Philly, and that was it. No, they didn't really fit in that much. They great in ECW. They were over in ECW, but they just felt a little out of place in WCW. I don't know what it was, but. Even WWE, you know, though. they had like one match and then they left. <laughs> it was like, all right, yeah, the Acolytes beat the hell out of them, like <laughs> just beat them up. By the way, that is—I mentioned it last week—the APA Untold story. I believe they mentioned that, by the way, or like the public got to be sure in for a cup of coffee and they beat their ass. So that's fun. That's funny. I I remember, I think JBL talking about that in like other interviews, and he's like, "Yeah, we just beat them up really bad." It's like, damn, that's kind of mean. What the did they do to you? I don't know. I guess it's show who's boss, I guess. I don't know. But I know one thing, though. If you know, remove the public enemy from the situation, they seem like two nice guys. So they seem like rest in peace to both of them. Johnny Grunge, Rock or Rock. Uh, but if it's just a, a real fight between the faces of fear, Barbarian and Haku, and Harlem Heat, Stevie Ray and Booker T, I'd pay damn good money to see that. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Somebody's going to the hospital that night, <laughs> at the very least. Like that's going to be a war. Maybe it's all a of real them. fight between them. <laughs> it might. Like you think the ending of the Benoit Sullivan match was like, oh my god, everybody's uh, hurt. Yeah. We're going to talk about it. Yeah, that's that's that'd be real life. It was faces of fear at Harlem Heat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you know, four badasses, all of them, st- street cred on a on a million. Like. <laughs> they they record you can check they check their record they, they 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 got it out here in these streets like they not they not to be played with not to be trifled with all right you can check their record I, I would pay money to see that that's just me um I liked always found it funny though that Harlem Heat because they didn't get a whole bunch of mic time they would always cut promos on their way to the ring <laughs> they would <laughs> just talk to the camera. <laughs> Which that was it all worked. they needed That's to know. You... That was, and a lot of, like, I liked that, you know, because it gave me a, a glimpse into the personalities of Booker T and Stevie Ray that, you know, I wouldn't have known otherwise because they barely had promo time. Uh, maybe they had some on Saturday night, but by this point, Saturday night wasn't a WCW staple anymore. So, uh, I mean, I, I watched it here and there, but, you know, if you weren't getting promo time on Nitro, Hell, make the most of it and talk on your way to the <laughs> ring. They, a lot of people did that in WCW, and you would hear them. You know, they were always right. mic'd up. They would turn, I guess, the mic on the camera on where you could hear them. And uh, they did that, you know, before matches, after matches, in the ring after a match. They would, you know, talk to the camera. You know, you don't see that anymore. 
Yeah. I missed that. Like it was like cool. Yeah. yeah. Why not? Get some get some mic time in. Um the match itself was it was it was a match. <laughs> I mean the faces of fear had a dope ass double team move, I'll tell you that much. When they flipped over I think it was Booker T and they caught him in midair and then they power bombed. I was like, damn, that was dope. Yeah. Nobody tries yeah. that anymore. Then they tried it to public enemy and it didn't work out so well because they countered and then they won. So they did. Weird. There you go. But one thing I noticed after this match, Dust, my boy Dusty Rhodes. The cameras panned the crowd as Tony Schiavone's talking. Maybe Dusty was talking. It was Dusty. Because he's talking. And then he spotted a, let's say, a busty woman in the crowd. And look, she was she was looking good now. <laughs> I will admit. But Dusty saw this woman on the on the on the on the monitor, I guess. And stopped whatever he was saying mid-sentence. Like, whoa, my goodness. Goodness gracious, look at her. <laughs> what? You can't do that, Dusty. Take it easy. Take it easy, Big Dust. <laughs> thought he was, uh, maybe he thought he was mic'd down. No, he was mic'd up, bro. <laughs> that mic was hot. And he, he got distracted for a second. And that's why you love Dust. <laughs> That's why you love Dusty because he he just lets it fly, bro. He's gonna react to what he, whatever he's seeing, and that means whatever he is seeing, even if that's a a beautiful woman in, in the crowd, he's gonna be like, "Whoa, mom, goodness gracious, daddy!" <laughs> right then and there. I gotta say, man, I've come full circle, or maybe I, not full circle. I did a complete one eighty on Dusty's commentary uh, as I got older and re- rewatched these shows. I really enjoy it now. But back then, I was just like, man, just shut up. Like, I didn't like it, uh, and I don't know why. I just, I don't know if it was the way he talked. I don't know if it was like he didn't bring anything to the table for me. Like, he just, like, on the side, anything he said didn't mean much to me. It was like just Tony. And obviously, Bobby would have his quips, but, you know, for me, it was all about Tony and Tony explaining things to me that, you know, I needed to be explained to me, but... When Dusty would talk, I'd be like, "Man, just shut up!" Like, I feel bad about that. Now, as I grow up, I obviously changed my tune. But as a kid, I don't know what I was thinking. I was being a little disrespectful. I was on the field while Dusty was, you know, commentating, and I was saying, "You ass!" <laughs> you hating on him from the sideline? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you back. ass. That's it. Isn't that what that kid said to Cam Newton? Like, you ass. <laughs> yeah. That's. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which, did you notice that kid said he was repping the 215? Did he? No. I did not. The second video that they put out, when they're all huddled up and they're talking, he's like, yeah, where you from? He's like, I repped that 215. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure every Philly person that heard that was like, oh, no. <laughs> we're not claiming him. He's a oh, Philly no. guy. <laughs> no, no, we're not saying that. Like, don't, don't tell nobody. Don't tell nobody that the area code is Philly. Like, don't tell nobody that 215 is Philadelphia. But apparently, I saw on Twitter that somebody said he he uh, goes to Perkiomen Valley High School, something like that. And I'm only saying that because somebody put it on Twitter already. Because I was like, that's not technically Philly. That's the Burbs. Like, <laughs> well, that's two one. Hey, I say two one five not even the area code. Yeah. Nah, two one five not even the area code though. Like, come on. <laughs> so we we're, <laughs> we're good on this one. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I felt like I was with Dusty back then, but. Uh, I've come full circle. Well, no, I shouldn't say go. that because I'm. I, if I, does that make sense? If I've come full circle, wouldn't I be back to where I was? Yeah, 
Yeah. So, so you've done a 180. Yeah. yeah like you said exactly, earlier. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> you've come full circle. You're back to where you were in 97. <laughs> I was one of those. I, I was a bad fan back then. Mm. 12 years old. Yeah, didn't know what I was doing. You didn't. It's all right. You learn and you grow. That's that's the whole thing. That's all that matters. Uh, we move on, though, to Jeff Jarrett versus Steve McMichael. Where the stipulation of this match is that Jeff Jarrett, if he wins, was allowed to join the Four Horsemen. <laughs> We're just like, yay! Like, okay, Jeff Jarrett and the Four Horsemen, whoopity do! Like, why not? We already got Mongo. Why not have Jeff Jarrett too? You know? But the thing about the Four Horsemen, I read recently an interview with Ric Flair was talking about how the Horsemen aren't very close anymore. Yeah, and specifically him and Arn, which is like shocking. I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah they were like that. homeboys. I read that. And the The reasons, particularly, you know, sad, but it, it's you don't know how they got to that point. You know, like what's the reason Arn didn't reach out? Like, did something happen before that that we don't know? You know, that's what sucks about it, and that's what sucks hearing about that. Yeah, that's sad. That's sad. They 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 made a lot of money together. Back in the day, and I mean, it was years ago, it's a long time ago, but they, as far as we knew, they've been friends throughout the years. And then to hear that, like, they kind of aren't anymore, it's kind of sad because you know, it's the four horsemen, man. Come on, mm-hmm. you know, it sucks. But uh, <laughs> talking about the four horsemen, speaking of the four horsemen, we got to talk about Mongo real quick because they mentioned, I think it was Heenan, somebody mentioned that he at that point in 97 had the record for the most consecutive games played by a Chicago Bear. And we talked about, I forget which WCW show it was. I'm assuming it was a show in 97 that Mongo was legit nice football player. I think he had 100 sacks. I think he went to a Pro Bowl or two. Like Steve McMichael, his track record in football cannot be questioned, right? I can look it up the stats again, just just in case. <laughs> <laughs> All right, just so I can verify. We went to two Pro Bowls, two-time All-Pro, and he had 95 sacks, not, not 100 sacks, 95 sacks, but he had multiple 10 double-digit sack seasons, right? Including a career-high 11 and a half in 1988 as a defensive tackle, by the way, which is not easy to do. I think people see Aaron Donald putting up 17, 18 sack seasons and be like, oh, defensive tackles can do that. That's not common. All right. But I was like, damn, he really had that record? Like, does he just making that up? That he played the most consecutive games in Bears history? Mind you, the Bears are legit a hundred year old franchise. Like the same year that the NFL celebrated its 100th season, so did the Bears. <laughs> you <laughs> notice they had this own, their own patch on their jerseys with the 100 logo but with their logo at the bottom, the NFL's logo, because they also celebrated their 100th season that year. And I think them and the, pa- the Packers are the only teams more than 100 years old. So, storage franchise goes back to the 20s, okay? But Steve McMichael apparently had the record for consecutive games played. So you know me. I got to look it up <laughs> to verify. And I found the Bears media guide from this past season. 2020 found the records in consecutive games and it's indeed correct he still has that record wow 20 some years later 24 years later and this is 
mind you, he stopped playing in like the early nineties. Right. So he stopped playing. Let's look up his last season now. I'm thinking about it. He stopped playing. I'm gonna guess ninety two. Ninety four. Oh wow! So one year before he went to WrestleMania. <laughs> How about that? How about that? He didn't. He take no, no time off. He's like, I need the spotlight, baby. <laughs> Mongo. <laughs> so we're talking almost thirty years later. He still has his record. Twenty seven. Was it twenty seven years later? Played as a defensive lineman. He played 191 straight games. That's crazy. 191 as a defensive lineman? For, again, if you're an international listener, that's a violent position. You're having, you're colliding with somebody literally every single play. Like, there's no way around it. And like, you're a kicker or punter, you're not, you play a couple snaps a game and but that's still technically technically a participation for you he's a defensive lineman playing 191 straight games that's more than dick buckus that's more than walter payton who's second on that list at a running back by the way which is also a very violent position when you're getting hit 20 times a game Walter payton played 186 straight games at running back Whew. um but yeah mongo 191 straight games as a defensive lineman. By comparison, just so you know, like this is not easy to do. Like the, For the Eagles, our consecutive games record is held by two people. Harold Carmichael, who is in the Eagles Hall of Fame, got elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame last year before the pandemic. Uh, so he's a wide receiver. So he's not necessarily getting hit every single play. And he's tied with John Dornboss, who he's probably more famous than as a magician on Ellen and stuff like that than he is as a football player. But he was a long snapper. So he's not getting hit every single play neither. But they both hold the record at 162 games. But John Dornboss is on America's Got Talent and stuff like that. A very inspirational story if you're not aware. John Dornboss is dope. But uh, they played, again, 162 straight games. <laughs> like, still 30 games behind. You know, and I looked, 191 games, that's like 11 seasons worth of games like almost 12 seasons like i think the math is like 11.9 if you do 16 games it's a little literally pretty much 12 straight seasons of games worth of games that's insane that's insanity right there mm-hmm. so yeah shout out to Harry carmichael by the way because he's dope i like Harry yeah. carmichael he's 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 cool he's he's always good for a good lunchtime chat in, in, in the cafeteria at uh at novacare he loves nice. watching Gunsmoke. He always talks about watching Gunsmoke for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love Harold Carmichael. Everybody loves Harold. He loves everybody else. So, congratulations to Harold Carmichael. But, back to Mongo and Jeff Jarrett. The whole thing with this match was that so Deborah. <laughs> it was very weird. So weird Deborah, Mongo's wife. Real life wife, too. Yeah. At right, not a fake wife. <laughs> yeah, at this point, real life wife had like I guess the hots for Jeff Jarrett in his trash ass gear. <laughs> hey, they like, both. How do you were like blonde, this guy? Maybe it was the blonde hair. Yeah, he did have nice hair. That's it. <laughs> that gear was trash. I'm sorry. I hate to say it, but it was trash. But. <laughs> 
he she had the hots for him, even though she with McMichael and they were both, I guess, affiliated with the Four Horsemen. So she's like kind of helping Jeff Jarrett and not helping Mongo at the same time. Like she literally said to the camera, "I don't know which one to help." It's like, and everybody's like, "How about your husband, <laughs> the guy that you're married to? <laughs> How about that? You know, you don't know which one to help, despite the fact that you're married to one of the guys." Okay. Then she even refused to give Mon- to give Mongo the briefcase that mm-hmm. she carried, before somehow tossing it over her head. Yeah, well, and Mongo over Mongo's head, grabbed for her. I was like, <laughs> right? She literally would Bad, not give man. it to him. Toss it over their heads. Jeff Jarrett catches it, clocks Mongo with it. Of course, he covers Mongo. He wins, and now he's allowed to join the Four Horsemen. <laughs> he said, "I'm a horseman." Like, <laughs> no, you're not. Uh, and didn't they ever like wink at the camera or something, or say something like, "Hey." Like, come on. And this this went on, like, all, like, for months, this feud. You know? The whole year. And then Deborah was all the way on Jarrett's side by the summer or whatever. <laughs> and then right. she brought in Goldberg to take his Super Bowl ring and stuff. Like, oh, my yeah. God. Well, that's because we, Jeff we Jarrett. covered so much of it already. Yes. Because Jeff Jarrett yeah. left to go back to WWF in yeah. October. Yeah. So then comes Goldberg, like you said, to, to steal the Super Bowl ring. Which, again, if I'm McMichael, I'm not letting my Super Bowl ring be involved in any story. But here we are at Starcade or whatever, and Goldberg puts the ring in his trunks. It's like, don't put my ring down there, bro. Like, what's wrong <laughs> with you? I worked hard for that. What are you doing? You know? So, yeah, it's funny, though, because <laughs> Mongo is, like, you know, laid out flat in the ring. And he and it was like, well, <laughs> you usually see him like that at 4.30 in the morning. Not this early. <laughs> <laughs> I found that funny. It's a funny hand <laughs> joke. He never misses. No, he, oh, he misses sometimes when he calls uh, Guerrero La Bamba or something like that. That's a miss. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a miss. That's he had, he's had his misses or that's Tito true. Santana, uh, uh, the flying burrito, or whatever. Like that's yeah. swinging a miss, but otherwise, Heenan was the man. So. But now we move on to the San Francisco death match, which is, in hindsight, not a great title for this match between Kevin <laughs> Sullivan and Chris Benoit. Mm-mm-mm. And this, it's been documented, and especially the Dark Side of the Ring documentary, where this was like life imitating art or art imitating life at the same time, like. Because this is a story, a storyline, or in reality, Kevin Sullivan and Nancy, uh, I can't remember her last name on top of my head, I'm sorry, but woman, the character woman, but her name is Nancy, mm. uh, they were married. And in, in storyline, they were breaking up, and here comes Benoit to like save the day. She's going with Benoit. Well, because they were in storyline, an item, they also had to be sort of an item outside of the ring, because kayfabe brother... While that was happening, though, they were really becoming an item for real. And like I said, life began to imitate art. And they really got together. And even though that was happening, they also were still fighting on screen. (laughs) Awkward, to say the least. Right? A little bit. Very awkward. 
Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Uh, hey, the Flyers won four to three. How about that? That's nice. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was awkward. But then we get to just seeing Nancy and Chris together when it went to the ring, and it's just like watching it. It's just like damn. Like we talked about it in the past with Benoit matches, like how they're tough to watch, they're tough to enjoy. You know, Benoit was a hell of a wrestler, but because we knew how his life ended, it's not easy to enjoy. This was different because it's, it's the same thing, but it's like now we see Nancy, the woman, one of the people he murdered before he died. It's like, oh, damn it. Like, damn. This, you know, Super Brawl, I would assume, were happier times, even though it was still some drama. It was messy, you know, with the whole. Uh, you know, Kevin Sullivan situation. But you would assume that they were still happier times by that point. Yeah. And Nancy's maiden name is Toffolini. So I'll make sure I look that up. Nancy Toffolini. So rest in peace to her, obviously. But yeah, again, still tough to watch after the fact. Because we again we know how their lives ended. Um so yeah, but in this match, Chris Benoit, woman, they're together. Sullivan to even the odds had Jimmy Hart with him, who really didn't have any involvement in this match, but he also had Jacqueline. Yep. Who's probably the toughest person in the ring. She probably whipped everybody's ass in the ring. <laughs> everybody's ass. Like if I had to pick like who I would want to go down the back alley with amongst the people in this match, I'm taking Jacqueline because <laughs> she was badass and she was dope. Don't get me wrong. Like we talked about, we've given Jacqueline her flowers. Yeah. Like to be a black woman, probably the only black woman really on the prominent level at this time, and to carve out a spot. I'm sure she probably went through some things in the midst of that. Uh, you know, even though she was a big star, but uh, but yeah, it wasn't easy. I'm sure she went through a hell of a lot to get to that spot. And she yeah. went through a hell of a lot to stay there. So, shout out to Jacqueline. Uh, but the weird this this match was weird. Did you find this match weird? Like the the, the rules or the stipulations or whatever. What's that? I didn't hear so did you find this? Did you find this weird at all? Like this whole setup where Sullivan and Benoit are actually having this death match, which was really didn't resemble <laughs> a death match. It was more like a street street fight. Uh, there's no barbed wire. Well, which is weird because no they had one blood a few months later. I think it actually like it was a death match again. But, uh, but they're having like I said, they're having an, they're having an actual match. But they also had Jacqueline and right, a woman with the strap. With the strap supposed to be tethered together with the strap, but then they get really they get loose immediately. <laughs> <laughs> But what they do have no bearing on the actual outcome of the match. They're just in there fighting yeah, alongside their men. Their men. It's, it's like <laughs> what? It's like two matches happening at once, but the one match has is not remotely doesn't matter. They're just fighting. Yeah. <laughs> like why don't y'all make it a mixed tag or what? I don't know. I, I, I don't know either. And I love, by the way, how it started. With like as soon as the bell rang, you know, they go at each other and the ref falls down and you know Sullivan and Benoit are fighting, and then Nancy and Jackie are fighting. Like that's 
I thought it started off great. I loved it. And I thought it told a good story. I was like, yeah, like these women hate each other, so they have a chance to beat each other up, even though it's during a match that they're not technically involved in the decision, so they're going to do it. Um, I don't know. I liked it. It was kind of like that organized chaos that I enjoy uh, here and there, and it was... I, I liked it at this point uh, just for the... Like, it was something different. You know, I, at this point, I had been watching matches that really weren't that good you know in my opinion uh as a kid you know watching it live uh not watching it now so i was like into it and i think it left a good impression on me as a match and the ending you know had me i was like oh man they must really hurt like i I didn't know anything back then so i don't know i I like that chaos part of it I'm I'm here for chaos too. It just sometimes doesn't make some type of sense. I just couldn't wrap my head around why it was the way it was. Like I don't know. I just it was weird. It was weird. But one thing I noticed is that Dusty Rhodes is losing his mind during this match. <laughs> oh, look at him go! Wow, look at that! Oh my God, look at that! Oh wow, he couldn't handle what was happening in this match. Like it was just too much for him to handle. But we got Sullivan and Benoit fighting backstage. But while they're fighting backstage, Jacqueline and Woman are still fighting in the ring. Even though the what they're doing has doesn't have an outcome, technically, the referee is still with them. Yeah. And never went with Benoit and Sullivan. And I wonder, because I guess it wasn't false count anywhere, so he was just like, oh, wait till they come back to the ring. <laughs> That's how I yeah, explain yes, it to myself. That, that makes sense, because it's a death match. doesn't mean it's false count anywhere, but... <laughs> Yeah. That's so that's funny so to stupid. hear. Yeah, I know that's so funny to hear. Like, oh wait, wait, wait! The Falcons don't count out here. That death match has an end in the ring. <laughs> like, I, I don't know, but they fight in the stands and in the, the uh, concourse area and stuff like that. And they eventually come back to the ring, and eventually Benoit puts Kevin Sullivan on top of a table and climbs to the top rope. He's going to do a dive. He's going to try to put Kevin Sullivan through this table. Jacqueline, who's not technically in this strap. Remember, they got loose from this strap pretty much from the moment this match started. <laughs> you know, even though we saw the referee put the, the strap around their wrist so they could be tethered together, they got out immediately. <laughs> so she's not technically tethered, but she's still holding it. She attempts to like distract Benoit or knock him down or something, but she never lets go of the strap. <laughs> So, woman's pulling back and she's holding on to it. And so, instead of like trying to get all the way to Benoit, because she knew, oh, I can't get to it. I can't get to him, I should say. She just climbs on top of Kevin Sullivan to shield him. And Benoit was like, screw it, and just jumped off anyway and landed on both of them and went through the table, which was like, that was kind of an insane spot. They didn't even go through the table. table didn't they break. did. Oh, yeah. They bounced <laughs> off the table, which is probably worse. Which is like, how that whole angle unfolded afterwards made no sense to me because I was like, wait, the table didn't break. Like, Well, apparently if the table doesn't break, it hurts more. So, I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, but like the whole visual of it, you know, me watching it, I was like, but yeah. that, they didn't go through the table. <laughs> yeah, but it was still chaotic, like you said. Like, it was just like a wild finish that to see, uh, you know, Benoit jumping on two people on this table, not through it, but on it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, and they fall off the table, and Jacqueline took a big bump off the table. Yeah, and then Benoit covers Sullivan for the win, 
to end this match. Yeah, while his legs were on Jackie. <laughs> like, right, I think he like, pinned both on, of them at the same time, somehow. Yeah. But the thing is, the, the match, the, the post-match was like the most interesting thing because they all like sold it crazy. Like mm-hmm. Benoit, Sullivan, and Jacqueline virtually didn't move after the match. But yeah. Sullivan and Jacqueline in particular, I don't think... Jacqueline like was like literally just like laying there, right. the eyes closed, <laughs> perfectly still, <laughs> right? Like a tremendous sell on her part. Like she's supposed to sell that she was messed up. She sold it beautifully, right? And so does Sullivan. Car- you know, uh, Benoit moved a little bit, but not as not you know he 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 moved more than Sullivan and, and J- Jacqueline who didn't move at all. And eventually, a bunch of agents come out: Paul Orndorff, Lee Marshall, Terry Taylor. They come out and they, they're just. One after another, they come out. They they can't do anything though. They all just go, hey, get help! Come on! And even said it's like, all right, they can keep coming out, but that don't mean they can do anything. What is like, Lee Marshall doing out there? Like, like <laughs> he's like he's coming out. They're not great. Come on, come on down. I need an update for WCWWrestling.com. Right, <laughs> hey, Lee Marshall out there. And Arn Anderson comes out, shakes his head, and just leaves for some reason. Yeah, like he doesn't even go down in the ring. <laughs> he's disappointed in somebody but eventually uh, they all get wheeled out on stretchers and put into the back of an ambulance and hauled off to a local medical facility in San Francisco mm. but that was wild that was a pretty wild match I'm not gonna lie yeah the the selling like after the match took so long too so that uh, I guess it made me think like I mean I wasn't particularly attached to anybody here uh, when I was watching it live on pay per view, but uh, I was just like, "All right, let's go! Like, <laughs> get to, let's go! Like, if they're really hurt, hurry up, get them out of the ring! Like, I want to see the rest of the pay per view. Let's go!" <laughs> <laughs> no, no empathy whatsoever. No, not at all. Not at all. I, I was worried about my my black queen Jacqueline. Yeah, I was hey, worried about her. That, it was so, she looked hurt. So so cute that Kevin Sullivan grabbed her hand when they were in the ambulance and. Oh, you know they were. He he was holding her hand while they were both in the stretcher in the ambulance, probably hurting her even more. But <laughs> you know he loved her. They even said that they, they they talked about her arms. They didn't even put her arms on the stretcher. She's, her arms are just dangling off to yeah, the side. Yeah, <laughs> like, I think that's what I noticed the most uh, <laughs> watching it live. I was like, that doesn't look like it's re- like good for her because by this time I had seen stretcher jobs before, and obviously how they put people on put people on stretchers. So. I don't know. Yeah, that was that was that was wild, but that was wild, I should say. But uh, that was a wild match. That was just all over the place mm-hmm. and stuff. So I, yeah, you know, I guess it goes to your point that they organized chaos. Uh, I'm sure in '97 this was like crazy stuff. Like, yeah, did you yeah. see that? Like, <laughs> damn. It's so. like the same uh, same month as in your house final four. They can't compete with this. Probably not. <laughs> I don't know, man. I haven't seen Final Four. I don't think I can think of. So what? I don't know. Oh my goodness! Uh, but moving on. I, what? What's wrong? With, you I haven't ne- seen some movies, and I haven't seen Final Four. Probably. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm, like, I'm talking about like wrestling. <laughs> I'm surprised. It's a big in your house. It's not the biggest year in your house. I know it's a bit in your house, but we're talking about in your house, bro. You're like I didn't see WrestleMania or something. But like in your house has some quality moments. I'm. Sh- I know. I've seen some of them, but I haven't seen all of them. I am sorry. I'm not. I haven't. Look, unlike Un- you, I didn't watch all of 1995. Un- unbelievable. <laughs> oh, okay. 
Okay. Unbelievable. Unforgivable. It's like the WWF. Unbelievable. I guess so. Anything man. can happen. I guess so. I'm going to get hate now on Twitter because I didn't see <laughs> In Your House Final Four. You know. I think that's where China made her debut. Mm. Yeah, she attacked Marlena from the from the crowd. So makes sense. That's where Moving Austin heard his we... name, oh. by the way. Mm. Mm. That's unfortunate. Yeah. But we move on now to a promo for Uncensored, which is the next pay per view on the calendar for WCW. And in this promo, we are back in jail <laughs> for the second time in the show <laughs> with Hugh Morris. Yeah, it really wanted to make me order that pay-per-view. <laughs> if you want somebody to order a pay-per-view, wouldn't you use Hulk Hogan, <laughs> Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, The Giant, Lex Luger? Hell, even DDP. Hell, right. even Eddie Guerrero. No, let's get Hugh Morris. Uh, Was he the that... only one available that day or something? <laughs> like... They had a casting call. He was the only one that showed up. Like, all right, well, let's shoot it. <laughs> that's literally the only, I'm sure, the only pay per view promo he's ever done. <laughs> you know what's funny is like the next year, they, I believe it was next year, '98. Yeah, they had, they had like Wrath in their uncensored promo. Like, oh my god, <laughs> it's like what are they doing? They just here? didn't care about uncensored. <laughs> <laughs> they just didn't give a damn. <laughs> it was like the wrath they, out there. they had like a rules are for fools and he was the one that was saying it but it obviously wasn't his voice and I was like really wrath like I mean, he wasn't even that much over <laughs> at that point you know it, he started getting over like late 98 when it was just him squashing jobbers but other than that and then he went to chronic but uh yeah it was <laughs> like what what are they doing with these promos it was like it, no nwo like nothing it was just strange. I just didn't care about uncensored. That's the thing, I guess. <laughs> it's like whatever. It's my contract to do pay per view promos. Sorry. Apparently not. They couldn't get Buff Bagwell. <laughs> you know, like Disco Inferno. <laughs> Somebody. Prince Iakea. Wasn't he gone by by this point? Because he wouldn't like job to Jacqueline or something. Maybe they got rid of Disco uh, by that point. It was like, well, we can't maybe. use him. Maybe. They couldn't get Harlem Heat. (laughs) Booker T was actually in jail. Like that wasn't his uh, character, you know. Wasn't he? I mean, I'm just trying to think about how they would think about it. Hugh Morris was like a weird, but he wasn't like crazy though. That's what I don't get. Like he would laugh. I guess they explained that he hears voices, and that's why he laughs. But okay, tell you what he he was. What does that have to do with jail? Like I don't get it. I can tell you what it was. He was whack, bro. Like they should have had him doing the promo. <laughs> you Morris. You mean the future general? Wasn't he General Erection? And, he was. Uh, he was. And uh, Misfits in Action. Yeah. Both Hugh, of his names. Hugh Erection. Hugh Erection. Because you know the sometimes the E is the the middle initial. Yeah, yeah, it's a name. And then Rection is his last name. Erection. <laughs> right. But that, but no, it's, that's just a coincidence. It's, it's, 
There's a middle. Mm. That, that that name means something. I don't know, but it has to mean something, right? Ezekiel, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Elongated. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's alliteration, isn't it? Yeah. Elongated. Well, I guess technically. No, it's an R. The yeah. last name is Rection, bro. Yeah, Come yeah. on. No, no, no. I I messed that up. I I knew that. <laughs> I Just do that. Rection. I do that. <laughs> That's if there's anything I know, if there's anything I know, that was the, the last day was Rection. Exactly. Right? <laughs> so now we move on to the WCW World Tag Team Championship. We got the Outsiders defending against the Giant. Only the Giant at first. I guess, was Lex Luger like, scheduled originally? I think so, but then they just made it a handicap match, uh, technically, because I think they even mentioned right. that before it was a handicap match because it was cast or whatever. I think on Nitro they had something to where Luger couldn't uh, participate, so I think it, obviously they built it was a tag match, and then they just kind of went that way. Well, the first ninety percent of this match, Giant was by himself, <laughs> but before any of that, we finally get the. OG classic NWO music. It was just like, <laughs> I, I, like I said, I guess six. I guess Buff Bagwell just wasn't. They weren't cool enough. They had the clout for the for the cool NWO music. They got the trash, like dance version. Like, get, Which is know, funny that six, you know, six is part of the click, and he even got relegated right. to it. So right. Hogan was like, "No, nah, brother, doesn't work for me." <laughs> he gets the he gets the dance version, not the air guitar version. But we look during the Outsiders' entrance. You see that Hall, Nash, and Six, who was out there with them, are wearing not NWO shirts, but they're wearing shirts that say <laughs> that say Aztecas on it. Yeah. But Dusty is like, look at these shirts, Alcatraz. Is that Alcatraz? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> is that Alcatraz? And then, of course, Shivani and Heenan sell them. No, that's not Alcatraz, bro. He's like, well, I was just testing y'all. <laughs> y'all was looking the other way. <laughs> Love Dusty, man. Love yeah. Dusty. But, of course, I saw that. I was like, what the hell is Aztecas? And I looked it up. And it was a promotion based out of Mexico. It's a lucha promotion that was owned by Conan, who he bought that after he left AAA. Uh, so I guess in support of their homie, Conan, they wore the Azteca shirt. So that's nice. And they wore that instead of the, their typical WCW shirts. Or NWO shirts, I should say, not WCW. But Aztecas, even with that you know, great promotion, great favor that they did, Aztecas didn't last very long and went out of business in 1998. So... Sorry to say, but they was it was supposed to be around to compete with AAA and CMLL, and it did not. They are still the premier promotions in Mexico. Guess we saw them so. CM taking L's. Stop it! You tried it. I did. You really tried it. Hey, I went out. Hey, that was very brave of me. So, I <laughs> <laughs> gotta say that of yourself. That was very brave of me <laughs> to do. Because I th- I thought about it, I thought about just stopping, but I kept going. <laughs> he kept going. He just it's like I'm doing it. I'm jumping yeah. off this cliff. That's right. Hopefully, there's some water at the bottom. 
or hopefully it's not that far of a cliff and even so that even if there is water at the bottom it still doesn't hurt you know <laughs> or water quick, can hurt. quicksand or something oh that's bad yeah yeah or just cement <laughs> <laughs> you don't want that neither no uh, I mentioned the NWO's music, but the Giant didn't have any music, which I was like, I did, I forgot he didn't have any music yeah, at so this cool. point. It was so cool. He didn't have his own theme music. Nope. Not aware of that. I forgot. So then we get yeah. to the match. Nash and Hall play rock paper scissors. I love this. Before the match, did they, Hall did this all the time, by the way, and he always won. And it cracked me up. <laughs> That's funny. And he was so cocky when he celebrated too. He's like, ha, get out. Like this made me laugh. I remember like, why is he such a jerk to his friends? But like that, I just noticed he did that like quite often in tag matches. It's, it's funny because I don't think it was because they they did this and it was funny. I don't know if it helped them become better heels, but people liked them and they bought T-shirts, so it yeah. didn't matter, I guess, that much. Yeah. But because they took the piss out of everything and and kind of didn't take anything seriously for a little bit there. It kind of hurt some of the baby faces. Mm-hmm. Like it kind of made the giant like a kind of a dweeb that he yep. didn't do this type of stuff, but they mm-hmm. did. They looked the cool kids in class, you know. Yeah, that's how I felt even watching it back then. Like I liked them, and I still liked them because of Razor and Diesel, and I thought they were WWF guys still in my eyes, and I enjoyed watching them. And then the giant like wasn't a WWF guy. He wasn't my guy. He was a WCW guy, and I was like, he's lame, lameo. <laughs> <laughs> Big Lamo here. <laughs> but yeah, that's like so. I was just like, why is Giant like trying to be the serious dude when all I want to do is laugh at these funny antics? <laughs> all so. the NWO, the outsiders, and their antics mm-hmm. trying to take over another promotion. Oh, look at that! Speaking of Scott Hall, who, who won the. Uh, the, the rock, paper, scissors competition there, which is serious business, by the way. You don't play yes. around rock, paper, scissors. Yes. I always had this thing like, man, wouldn't it be dope if we ever got to see, I and mean, we never will, but if we ever had a chance to see a peak Scott Hall slash Razor Ramon against Drew McIntyre? Because to me, they have like very similar body types. Like they're both really tall, but also still really jacked. Mm-hmm. Like, and Drew McIntyre is probably bigger, like, muscle-wise than Scott Hall was back in his heyday. But, like, I don't know why. I just always wanted to be like, man, that would that'd be a dope little that'd match. Like they're kind of similar. Ver- that'd be Undertaker versus Undertaker. I, I, I guess people forget how big <laughs> Scott Hall was. Like, he's like 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, and I'm one of them. I remember, you know, like, what they're saying, yeah, like 6'6", six, six or something like that, 6'7", but... You know, once I finally realized how tall that really is, I'm not next to these guys every day. I'm not even, like, you know, my... <sighs> just incredible thinking, like, how big he really was back then and that he never got, like, a shot in the main event. Uh, like, a, a true shot, a true run with the world title um, that I, I just kind of... I guess I overlooked it. I was like... Dude looked the part, man. Like I am shocked. Yeah. I am shocked. Maybe it was like, when just, I, like obviously what happened outside of the ring, but even before that, when that seemed to become a problem, like even in the WWF, he never got a shot at the, at the top spot, which just kind of boggles my mind because he was so over and he had that look, and he looked even be- like I'm watching older stuff of him as the Diamond Stud and when he was in AWA, and I think he looked better 
and like when he was in the WWF and then this run in WCW, I thought he was in his maybe the best shape because he was leaner than he was, you know, back then. Maybe he was, you know, <laughs> taking stuff back then because he was a little bit bigger. But as far as total presentation, the the wet hair, the toothpick, like I, that was my Scott Hall. Like that's the Scott Hall I really gravitated towards. And just – Six 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 seven six eight like that's tall as hell like you know like yeah. you just never he think was about it because up. it wasn't like he was a beanpole he yeah next to up. Kevin Nash he didn't look small and I just didn't even put two and two but together he kind of did though I think that's a problem he was always next to Kevin Nash Maybe, well not to me not not to me I, I like he did to me small and like yeah he was smaller but I mean like maybe if you put him in the ring with one of the public enemy or something like that then he would mm. you would really see like he's a lot taller than them. And yeah. uh, even though Nash was like a f- head taller than Hall, but yeah, you know, I never really noticed that. I kind of notice it more now. But yeah, Scott yeah. Hall, man. When I when I see Drew McIntyre today, I always think about Razor Ramon. I don't know why. It's just they're two about the same height, similar body types, yeah. but Drew McIntyre is a little more jacked up than than Razor. Maybe it's back the, the chest hair too. I mean, it all looks so similar. Like, I guess. But yeah, it's just. I think people forget just how big of a dude Scott Hall was at one point uh, in his heyday. He was massive dude. But um, we had a lot of Giant and Scott Hall to begin with. Um, Giant's beating up Scott Hall a lot. Scott Hall spits in his face, which is just disgusting. At least he pretended to. I don't mm. know if he really did. And he immediately tags in Kevin Nash. Nash gets beats up too. And he even gets hit with a drop kick from the yeah. Giant, which is yeah. wild. Uh, still wild to think he was doing that. He was doing missile drop kicks too, which is wild uh, from the top rope. But Six, who's out there as well, uh, hit Giant in the back of the head with his Cruiserweight title, allowing Nash and Hall to take over. While that was happening, we get Luger chance from the fans, who still wasn't in you know at, in the ring yet, right? But uh, Hall, Scott Hall, even hit. The giant with the belt when the referee wasn't looking again. That allowed Kevin Nash to hit the giant with a jackknife powerbomb, which looked crazy. And the fans popped big for that. Unreal. Yeah. And unreal that, that they thing. put Nash and Giant in the ring at this point. How did they not keep them apart? Yeah. Now, the first time you see the first time you see him in there is a tag team match on Super Bowl. Uh-huh. Right? Not like not because they were supposed to face each other at Starcade. Yeah. Right? In ninety seven. Yeah. Yep. And you could have done the same type of thing you were doing with Sting and Hogan, keeping them apart. I, I I don't know. Like I just thought about it watching this. It's like and that power bomb. And I that's what where it hit into me. Like they I'm not sure what where they would have went in ninety eight if Nash didn't kind of like suck with that power bomb on the giant but the giant was a lot heavier at that point so you know they did the whole neck injury angle i don't think the giant was hurt badly but you know here he's thinner obviously it's easier to pick him up you know giants more agile where he can probably push off better so the power bomb looked great but i i just want like it, it just made me think like because i remember i saw nash power bomb the giant before 
And then I saw sold out ninety eight where you know he dumped them on his neck and everything, and I was just like, but he power bombed them before. But then I realized, oh well, the Giants, you know, bigger. <laughs> uh, but then it just got brought me back to like I I can't believe they didn't keep these two apart. You know, like they're the two literally the two biggest wrestlers in the company. There's nobody bigger than either of them, so it just made sense to me uh, to keep them apart, but. Because the Giant had just left the NWO like a, a month sooner. So, I don't know. It was just kind of crazy for me to... Uh, t- if Luger was there, would I don't know. I, I don't know if I could justify it. Because I'm just so, like, kind of still shocked about it a little bit that they mm-hmm. just didn't keep them apart. I don't know. It, it stood out to me so so much here. Didn't Giant rejoin NWO at some point, too? <laughs> he did, like, in the mid-98. And that's actually when Nash started the wolf pack and they disbanded so then he went to hollywood because obviously people had to pick a side you couldn't stay neutral you couldn't stay with wcw you had to go to wolf pack or hollywood so he went to hollywood because it was just the opposite of kevin nash so he was a heel by proxy mm. well you mentioned luger a couple of seconds ago but luger finally showed up at this point ran down to the ring with the cast on his arm and the fans went Absolutely banana for Lex Luger, who was <laughs> very over at this point. And he's hitting people with his cast. He's not getting disqualified. <laughs> and then he gets Kevin Nash up in that torture rack. And people never really tapped out. They just kind of cried. And then the referee would go, ring the bell. And it's over. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. on this night, this referee was like giving the signal really hard. and jumped up oh, and down. Curtis, and he did it like. Love Seven it. times, like ring it, ring it, ring it, ring it, ring it. Like they're they're ringing it, they're ringing it right now. He was now about to jump on this. the ropes and jump into the crowd at the hard count. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he knew, like this was his moment to shine. Because the fans are gonna pop big. This was a big moment. And he's like, I get the most out of this. Here we go, ringing it. I'm ringing it. <laughs> Couldn't wait to do this. So he he calls for the bell. Kevin Nash gives up. Luger and Giant are the WCW World Tag Team Champions, but I guess to erase any discrepancies, Giant chokeslammed Hall and pinned him too, and referee counted yeah, for some right. reason. The match is over, bro. Yeah. I'm not counting again. You get one three count out of me, and that's it. That's all I'm contracted for. <laughs> but he counted still. Uh, I'm sure that was a thing the next night on Nitro. Was that, hey, he wasn't in the match, and they, they pinned him. They yeah. pinned Hall too, and blah, blah, yeah. blah. So, yeah, I, I found hilarious... Uh... Six going for a spinning heel kick on a big, uh, big show <laughs> on the giant, and he him completely missing uh, his head. He was like on the ropes, and Nash was choking him. And then the ref, you know, takes Nash away. Six tries a spinning heel kick, and he kicks right above the giant's head. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> and obviously, commentary couldn't ignore it. He's like, "Oh, he missed him." <laughs> I mean, he did. Uh, it was too funny. One of my favorite moments of that match. So that was a fun little finish there. We don't get a fun finish in this last match, though, because it's t- now time for the main event. WCW World Heavyweight Championship, Hulk Hogan defending against Roddy Piper. No Michael Buffer on this show. Surprising. Oh, yeah. Wow. No good, Michael Buffer. Good point. This might be the first WCW show that didn't have Michael Buffer in the main event. I think even Clash of the Champions had Michael Buffer. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, like every WCW show we've done has had Michael Buffer, but not this one. Wow. Uh, Super Brawl, worthy of Roman numerals, not Michael Buffer, apparently. <laughs> Mark Curtis, so worthy sh- of another main event. 
There you go. Same ref. Like, what the hell was that about? <laughs> they run they out of referees. Right. <laughs> they ran out. They didn't have enough. McPatrick didn't make it. Well, he was there when, uh, when uh, the who was it? When who DDP beat Buff Bagwell? Wasn't um, oh, I, Nick Patrick there along with the uh, NWO Brigade? No, because uh, I thought uh, he was. Well, I saw him in this show, or maybe when the Outsiders lost. That, I, oh, you're at right. At some point, well, no, no, no. He um, was on this show with a sleeveless referee shirt on. Because Dickinson was the uh, referee for Buff Bagwell DDP, so yeah, maybe he was the ref for. No, I, I'm not, not. Mick Patrick wasn't a ref. He came out with the NWO. Oh, oh with really? the sleeveless referee shirt. He was shirt part on. of that I, by then. Oh well. I'm pretty sure I saw some no, pale you're looking right. guy. No, you're actually probably right because it would be a spring stampede where they turned on Nick Patrick already. So, yeah, he was with them for a while. So yeah, surprising. Mark Curtis, man, all star tonight. Rest in peace to Mark Curtis, Brian Hildebrand, by the way. Uh, but one thing I noticed on the show just just got me to thinking. And I was like, look at Roddy Piper, look at Hulk Hogan. How old were they in the show? Hogan was 43. Piper was 42. And I know we talk about it a lot. Guys today take better care of themselves than they did back in the 90s. But 42 and 43 looks damn good today compared to 1997. <laughs> like, like... I just don't understand it. These guys, there's 40 old wrestlers in WWE right now. They still look like they're in their 20s. Yeah. These guys look every bit of 42, if not older. Like they were weathered, but that's just neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> Hogan took his time getting to the ring. You know, he's with Vincent, he's with Ted DiBiase. You know, he's air guitaring, whatever. Uh, Heenan said Piper stunk. He smelled because he hadn't bathed in seven days. Uh, so that was a thing. Piper comes out, is beating up Hogan. He hits him with a low blow right away. Doesn't get disqualified. He bit him on the forehead. Does it not even account for? It, I don't think he just was biting him. Then they fight outside the ring for a little bit. Hogan actually hit Piper with a low blow. Piper just. Just no sold it, <laughs> and they tried to rip his, try to rip Hogan's nose off at some point. Like it was just, it was a lot of stuff going on. Then eventually, Macho Man Randy Savage and Sting show up. They just look at the ring, right? Yeah. Standing at the top of the stage area, just look at the ring. Sting eventually walks away. Macho Man, instead, when they get a better look at the match, walks to the ring, stands ringside. But before that, we got a bunch of we want Sting chants. Fans didn't get to see Sting in the ring for another eight months, bro. No, ten months. I take that back. Ten months. He didn't. They didn't get to see him in the ring until the, at least for a match until December. This is February, and they're already frothing at the mouth for mm-hmm. Sting. Mm-hmm. And somehow they had to wait ten more months to see Sting in the ring, and no one lost interest. The interest only grew over the course of ten more months. What a story this was. Mm. What a story. And it's just, we talk about it again, how they fumbled that bag at the end of the year with Sting. Damn. They were already like, we want Sting. This is yeah. February of 97. They could have did that match next month. People would have lost their minds. Instead, they <laughs> waited 10 more months 
That would never happen today. And they even, you know, he, he wasn't even technically pro WCW at this point. They would make that known the next month in March 97. So the anticipation even grew from that because now you know, oh, yeah, he wants Hogan. And you knew right from the start, like, no other person was going to, you know, he wasn't going to be in the ring with any other person other than Hogan. So that was, like, the beauty of it where, okay, the end of the pay-per-view, the end of Uncensored, Sting attacks the NWO finally. So you have another, what, nine months of build? It's just incredible. It's incredible. It was literally incredible. We got to give WCW credit for that. That's like the best, probably the best signal storyline of this Monday Night War era from WCW. I mean, I guess count the NWO as it, but that Sting buildup, Sting Hogan buildup for uh, over a year, incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, still, I still marvel at it because they really took their time. Mm-hmm. But they didn't have to. They were in the ratings war. They could have hot shot at that. Yeah, Instead, they, I think that builds. I mean, ultimately, everything they did around that build helped too. But, you know, their decision-making started getting really bad in 98, but they had their best year of 98, you know. So, obviously, right. the, this helped them garner you know, uh, more leeway when it came to, like, bad booking, I guess you could say. People still yeah. stuck with them throughout 98, you know, and then they finally put the title on Goldberg, which people loved. But, you know, WWF was so much better at this point in, in terms of entertainment, I guess, for up and down the card. It didn't matter what WCW did, and then by 99, it was all going downhill. But I think, honestly, 97 set WCW up for 98 to kind of overcome their bad, you know, booking. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, it was rough in 98, 99. But, again, the Sting stuff in 97, dope. Super dope. Uh, but this match itself with Hogan and Piper, it was pretty much an afterthought. I, I really, I was really waiting for what Macho Man was going to do. I knew what he was going to do. <laughs> I said the same damn thing. I, but like, You know, because I, I saw Starcade live, you know, and I saw Piper beat Hogan. So, you know, you think I'm like, even more invested in this match because the title is actually on the line. But, you know, once Macho came out, like, that was what I was more invested in. I didn't care about what was going on inside the ring, like, at all. Right. You knew what this was about. It was whatever, what, what was going, what was Savage going to do? And eventually, he did something. I will say this. The match was actually better than the uh, Halloween Havoc match later this year. I'll say that. It was a decent match, I guess, for them two at this point. But Piper puts Hogan to sleep with the sleeper. The referee calls for the bell, which means Piper wins. He is a new WCW World Heavyweight Champion. But Savage pulls Hogan's feet under the ropes. And for the first time, I think, ever, a referee instantly changed his decision on the spot. Just without announcing it. He just looked over at Hogan and was like, oh, well, he's under the ropes. Ring the bell again. Never announced it to the fans that they restarted the match. He restarts the match just because he saw Hogan's feet under the ropes. He instantly changed his decision, which is like, all right, that's bizarre. As soon as he restarted the match, Savage had handed Hogan a foreign object. Hogan immediately punches out Piper with it. 
pinned him and won. And the fans, I know the fans are like, what the hell just happened? Like, we just saw Piper, they, they just rang the bell, Piper won. Now Hogan is punching Piper, he's pinning him, he wins? What the hell just happened? And Hogan retains the title. I don't think anybody in the building knew what was going on. What a terrible finish this was. Just Piper, to get Savage in the, new, in the NWO. Piper legitimately beat Hogan. It wasn't <laughs> even like the ref missed the feet under the ropes. Piper legitimately beat Hogan. Mark Curtis was looking at Hogan's feet while he was doing the arm. The one, two, three. The arm, you know, Hogan's arm goes down for three. Ring the bell! <laughs> and then he looks around again and he's like, oh, they're under the ropes. Nope, Mark Curtis was on the NWA payroll. You cannot like I tell me any guess. differently. It's just it's just a bad finish. It's something like I don't know how you could have made that better. Maybe you just don't do that finish. Don't have Piper beat him at all. No, just I'm, have Savage slot him to four an object, he punches him, right, and that's the end of it. Right. Like you have why do you the know, Mark Curtis? Why do busy? a twenty second a twenty second double uh, dusty finish? It right. just didn't make any sense to me. And then you had Tony have to you know, explain it. Be like, oh, I think what happened was like, it's like, but that, 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 they weren't under the ropes though. Like Piper legitimately won, and that's where you lose the logic with me too. Because why just put Hogan's feet under the rope and have Mark Curtis like not pay attention to it? That's more believable. And to me, WCW, I loved it because it it made things more believable for me in the world of pro wrestling. You know. It, coming off 95 WWF, I needed that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I needed to, to believe what I was watching. So WCW did a good job with that. And Tony did a good job with that. But this, you know, fell flat for me. I really was like, just wondering, like, wow, I watched this pay-per-view for free, and that's my payoff. <laughs> <laughs> so disappointed. Unbelievable. I watched this for free. But no, that was that was a very, very, very odd finish. It's very odd. And uh, <laughs> I just didn't understand it. I was like, okay, and well, then, why is Savage joining them? I was so confused. Well, who's rejoining his Mega Powers, homie, bro? The Mega Powers just got reunite. His ass beat, you know, a few months ago. Well, he came to us. They beat him to his senses. Be some sense into him, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Either way, at the end of the match, the match is over. The NWA comes out, beats the hell out of Roddy Piper. They all cut promos into the camera, and they get some more heat, and we go off the air. And that's Starcade, not Starcade, Super Brawl 7 <laughs> in 1997. Uh, with, you know, there's some good stuff here on this card, but these main events, bro, you know they funny? were rough. You know they were funny? really rough. So Savage pins Piper, and then Hogan counts to three so Roddy Piper was technically one and two in like a five minute sequence at the end of this pay-per-view he won he won once and lost twice I guess man <laughs> what, I don't know what the hell is going on honestly don't that's uh I, I just <sighs> it made me sad <laughs> it's just weird. like it these main events, man, they just and WCW at least before I, I, they would have some good stuff here in WCW, and their main events would just would just fall off and just mess up the show, mess up the ending of the show to me. 
least to me. I mean, I didn't. I just. I didn't understand it. I think at the time I probably was like, well, you know, something big happens. No matter if it's good or bad, like at least something big happens. So Savage, sort of the NWO was That's a big true. thing. That's, and, that was the whole point of it. It's to right. get Savage so, in the NWO. It's just. Yeah. How you get there, rough, bro? Like, there's <laughs> exactly. a way to do it. There's a yeah. way to do it. This was not the way. And yeah. it's easy to say that in hindsight all the time that this wasn't it. But it's just the 30 se- It's not even 30 seconds. It was like, hey, Piper's a champ. And like literally like 10 seconds later, ding, ding, ding again. And Hogan's punching out Piper. <laughs> yeah. And it's, that's Mark the end of that match. Like, he's like throwing Piper's arms down. Like, you didn't win. Right. Put your hands down. Like, relax, <laughs> what? Mark. Like, what are you doing? You just raised his hand, though. You just said I did win. What you talking about? So that was that was bizarre. But any final thoughts on Super Brawl Seven before we wrap it up nah, for man. episode two seventy three or two seventy four? I'm sorry, two seventy four. <laughs> it was a great uh, pay per view to watch for free. <laughs> <laughs> on a school night. When you, so. when you quote unquote mistakenly ordered it. <laughs> Line ass. You know what sucks is I didn't even think to put a blank tape in and tape it. You know, like I didn't even tape oh. it. Just you know what's it. funny? If you did actually put a tape in to tape it, then I would have definitely known you was lying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you had the tape ready? Oh, you, you yeah. lying. Yeah, I. I think I didn't want to go like and miss anything from a pay per view because there are no commercials. So even like Gene Okerlund backstage, I didn't want to miss anything. <laughs> you had to see it. I had to. So hype me the hotline that I'm never going to call, please. <laughs> it, it, yeah. it was a good show. I've definitely seen worse from WCW. The, the main event, the finish was just so rough. It kind of, yeah. I don't want to say it puts a damper on it. It's just. It's like y'all y'all build up to these big things and you don't capitalize. And maybe that's the story of WCW because same same thing with Sting and, and Starcade. It's just they have this big build up to these stuff and they were pretty good at it, and then they would just fumble it at the end. It's like they would take the ball at the one yard line, take it ninety nine yards, get to the other team's one, and do all the work to get there. Break seven tackles, stiff arm some people, spin people out of their cleats, do all this work, outrun the whole defense, and then they get to the one and they just drop it. <laughs> like what did y'all doing? Like y'all had it, y'all had it, y'all had it, and then you messed it up. So that's 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 WCW in a nutshell. But again, there's other good stuff on the show that I did enjoy. It was a it was a good watch. At the end of the day, I've definitely seen worse from WCW, like Halloween Havoc '98. <laughs> uh, rough, 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 rough. Outside of DDP and uh, Goldberg, but this a little better, a little better. We got. Uh, like a six versus Malenko, Jericho versus Guerrero was pretty good. Even the ben, the, the death match, Benoit and Sullivan was it was entertaining. It was a, it was a mess, but it was entertaining. Uh, the, the the trios match had some moments, uh, you know. So it is what it is. But yeah. with that said, Nick, take us out with some plugs, please. You can follow me at Nick Bacone on Twitter. Follow us at Shooters Radio on Twitter, and you could. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash shootersradio, and you can listen to this podcast at phillyinfluencer.com and phillyvoice.com. And if you're hiring, go to officialnickbacone.com to check out my portfolio, along with a very special recommendation from my friend, Vaughn Johnson. That's me, and you can find me at Vaughn M. Johnson on Twitter. Uh, You can find my writing at philadelphiaeagles.com, writing a lot of Black History Month stuff for the website. 
Going to have some fun stuff coming down the pike. Trust me when I tell you, it's going to be some real fun stuff uh, coming down the pike for the offseason. Because we all use a little bit of fun here uh, during the pandemic. So we got some good stuff coming down the pike as far as written stories and stuff like that. Of course, like I said earlier, Patreon, you can check us out on there. Become a patron. Become a patron at patreon.com slash radio. If you want to make your deep dive requests, head on over there. Pay the nominal fee of, I believe, was it $3 there, Nick? Two. Only two. $2. Not even three. $2, right? Make your request, and we will shall fulfill said request. We've done them already. We will do it again in the near future. So head on over there. Again, patreon.com slash radio. We appreciate our patrons that we have already, and we look forward to more patrons in the future. So uh, head on over there again, patreon.com slash radio. But until next time, for Nick Bacone, I am Vaughn Johnson. Thanks for listening to episode 274 of The Straight Shooters, and we'll catch y'all again next week. Peace.